Y'all know me. Know how I earn a living. I'll catch this bird for you, but it ain't gonna be easy. It's bad fish. Not like going down the pond chasing bluegills or tommy cats. This shark swallow you whole. Shaking, tenderizing, down you go. And we gotta do it quick. That'll bring back the tourists. That'll put all your businesses on a paying basis. But it's not gonna be pleasant. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. You gotta make up your minds. You wanna stay alive and ante up? You wanna play it cheap? Be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's too many captains on this island. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of August in the year of our Lord 2007. Thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. Thank you for coming along. It is Monday and welcome to day 12. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Let me give you the phone numbers. It's 503-733-2970. 5032970. You want to uh, call us with your comments, your clarifications, your questions, your complaints, your uh, whatever. Your incessant request that Scotty move his giant behemoth of a truck, which is out back apparently blocking everybody. And then we check, and it's not even Scotty J's truck to begin with. Which then begs because the question. Scotty J is not Scotty's here. Scotty's not even here. Because it is, in fact, now four minutes after 11 o'clock, and Scotty J has not yet arrived. So there you go. Uh, which means that there are two people that own, like, some big-ass Steve Peliquin compensating truck. It's not just him. There's somebody else. Anybody else know? Do, do we know who owns the other, the, the teal truck that's out there? Or teal, or, or sand color, or whatever that is? It's like a gold-colored truck. It's like tan. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, anyway, hello. It's 503-733-2970. You want to call about the the uh, interesting, the uh, groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. If you would like to email us instead, uh, you can always do that. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. You can email everybody else. It's uh, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or Scotty Jake, who's not yet here, at 970.am. Again, it's uh, 503-733-2970. So, we will be taking your calls live and unscreened for the foreseeable future until Scotty J arrives. No one really knows when that's going to be. Could be now. Could be next hour. Could be never. No one really knows. Who actually talked to him? Was it you? I talked to him. What was his explanation? He said that he's looking at a house, or like he was giving a tour of a house or something, or showing a house, which begs the question, why is he doing that when he's supposed to be at work? Seriously. 
Tim, you understand how such things uh, work. What, showing a house, I mean, he's showing his house to a prospective buyer, most likely. He is. All right. Well, that's and they, not can gonna... only, they can only come at a certain time. Well, he was. He was trying... They're not going to buy your house, Scotty. Don't deceive yourself. He was trying to describe it to me. He said, "No, I'm not looking at. A, I, they're not looking at my house. I'm going to look at our new house or something." Well that's, even, that... well, that's even less important. Well, he may be closing on his new house. That's not happening either. Mrs. J may be closing on her new house. <laughs> Mrs. J may be getting a new house. I, I don't know that Scotty's going to be invited to live there. I, uh, I think there may be a, I think there may be a doghouse out back that just says Spot. That may have Scotty's name written all over it soon. All right, Scotty, I'm sure you'll be allowed to visit the new house on weekends. Don't you worry about it. All right, uh, if you would like to uh, join us about uh, what have you today, it's five zero three seven three three. 2970, 503-733-2970. It is Monday. Thank you for uh, joining us today. Hold on one second. I'm to clear my throat. <laughs> All right, there you go. Uh, coming up uh, in today's program, uh, we have seen a radio correspondent, Lisa Goddard, who will be joining us today about Carl Rove, who I guess has been making the... It's funny that that guy went from never being seen anywhere... To being seen everywhere, because now he's, he did the whole round of all the Sunday morning talk shows talking about Hillary Clinton. So I don't know whether that's just part of his undying allegiance and loyalty to the empire, uh, or whether he just feels like he hasn't been getting a FaceTime lately. So uh, Carl Rove has been all the uh, was been all the shows all weekend talking about um, talking about Hillary Clinton, who will I mean there's just it's irreversible, uh, as they would say she will be the nominee for the Democratic Party. It's just a question of who's going to be tagging along with her. And I guess there was some was there a debate this weekend? There was, wasn't there? Is it yesterday? Maybe. See, that's I don't even such a bad American because you know what I do now? I had this realization yesterday. I am the bad American because. Because my wife called me from work yesterday. She's like, are you watching this debate? And I said, what? She said, are you watching this debate? I, John Edwards is making some really good points. And I said, well, what's a debate? What are you talking about? She goes, well, the, the candidates are all talking about something or other. And I actually, before I even realized that I was saying these words that came out of my mouth, I said, no, you know, I just wait and watch the sound bites on YouTube the next day. So I actually now am officially part of the problem. I don't actually even watch the raw debates anymore. I literally... Not figuratively, I literally just wait to be spoken to in sound bites. So there you go. I I am the bad American. I am what is wrong with this country. You can write down the day and time I said that. Uh, what else coming up today? Well, we got Lisa Goddard uh, about uh, about Carl Rove. Uh, Jim Roof will be joining us today about that. Uh, you're going to be hearing about this all day, too. There's people are going to be shoving this story uh, on you all day. This, this immigration activist who was, I guess... Where was she even arrested? Because now it's like three different... She got arrested in Los Angeles, but she was... So it's like a story problem. One illegal immigrant leaves Mexico. She stops in Chicago for a year while hiding in the back of a church. She's then arrested in L.A. How much time will the media spend going over this story for 10,000 times in a row today? Uh, so I guess she's been deported. But uh, So Jim Roop is going to talk about that. Uh, if you're wondering what people are going to be gathering in Pioneer Courthouse Square to, uh, to protest this, this Friday, it'll probably be her. I think the wheel of fate has landed on her. So you'll be hearing her name at your local co-op, I'm sure. So we'll talk about that. What else? Peter Carlin's going to be joining us from the Oregonian uh, today. Uh, I think that'll be uh, sometime in the two o'clock hour. Uh, we'll be talking to uh, we'll be talking to Peter Carlin. What else? Uh, speaking of which, speaking of uh, Peter Carlin, well, I'll put this off. I'll put this off until later. I have some uh, some television thoughts, but we'll get to those here in a while. Uh, we may or may not get to the top five today, and the reason for that is because we've got a new submission for it's the second worst story you've ever heard. Uh, that we have a new champion as of last. 
What, Friday? Thursday. Thursday. Uh, we had this, the, the story about the man who was eaten by 10,000 termites in his own home. That's a fantastic story. Not likely to be beaten anytime soon, but the story that we got today to compete with it is pretty fantastic. And it comes to us from uh, Brisbane, Brisbane, Australia. So we'll get to that later on. We will uh, look for the second worst story in the history of the world. We ask the magical question, who will be the third celebrity to die? Tim Radley thinks he has the answer. Uh, oh, and we'll go over my, my tentative uh, London itinerary. And by itinerary, I mean this crumpled coffee-stained piece of paper uh, that I kind of scribbled on uh, last night. And uh, we'll, just, we'll let you run my life because you're going to do a lot better job at it than I am. All right, uh, it's 503-733-2970. All that coming up today. Uh, let's see, phone calls coming in. We'll get some of those as well. Is Scotty J in the building? I don't believe so. Well, somebody's screening the calls. Oh, maybe, then he must be. Maybe the call screening software has achieved self-awareness. <laughs> no, he said that he was going to try and be here at the top of the hour. So I'm, I believe in Scotty J. Uh, really? Do you honestly Sometimes. believe? You believe his ice? All right, let's... Before we do anything else... I wish I knew how to quit you. Yes, I do. Please, my kissy on the mouth. Please let me. Good morning, Metolia. Watch where you're shoving those things. Welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. Scotty J, our intrepid PA. Hello, Scotty J. Good morning, Looking Glass. Hi, how are you? <laughs> how's it how's it working out for you over there? Great. Hi. How's it going, Rick? Hi, how are you? You smell fragrant today. Thank you very much. You smell quite musky. All right, so first of all, what did you drive today? I drove my truck, but I just got here. Literally. How is it that you did you find any place to park? I, I actually heard the Rick Emerson show start, you know, as I'm coming down. It's kind of a strange experience. It was weird. It, have you ever? <laughs> well, we've all had this experience of driving. You'll get this at some point of driving around and listening to yourself doing a best of show on the air. That's freaky. That I, thing where you're I like, have not done that. Oh yet. man, that's happened to me a couple times. You know, we don't take a lot of time off here, but it, once in a while, you know, we'll be off. It'll be a holiday, whatever. And I'm driving around. It's not like hearing a promo either, where it's like, if you haven't heard the Rick Emerson show, and then it's the best of. Like your brain processes that differently. If you are driving around in the car and you hear your own long-form, unedited program being aired, it's just freaky. You can't listen to it for too long. It kind of bends your brain. Yeah, I'd imagine if I heard myself, I'd go, Why did I say that? What an idiot! Who gave this guy a job? <laughs> so. How is it that, did you manage to find a parking space? No. Where did you park? I parked kind of in front of four cars. So this is what happened this morning. So here I am in the office, and then we'll see what's uh, coming up with everybody today. Here I, I was upstairs in the office today, and I caught a glimpse of what I thought was your truck coming into the parking lot. Now, here's what you need to know. At the coin tower, there was no parking. Zero, none, absolutely didn't exist. You had to go find a space on the street like a savage. Um, here we have a parking lot, but it only, hurt, it only holds like one-third of the cars that work in this building. So it really is like a first-come, first-serve. And then, uh, you know, if you get here too late, then you got to triple park and double park, and then they got to come find you during the day so you can move your car to let somebody out. So I caught a glimpse of what I thought was Scotty's truck coming in, and I sat and I watched this truck navigate for about five or six minutes straight, trying to find a space. And whoever it was, finally just—it's like it's like one of those cars you see like in the R.A.M. video. They just got out of the truck and just abandoned it, basically in the middle of the parking lot. 
And then they came looking for you later because I told them it was your truck, and whoever whoever owns that truck. Was, and everyone's like seethingly mad. Yeah, because they were blocking in like four people, and then they get they're like, whose truck is that? Instead of Scotty's. And I don't know who owns that other truck that looks like yours. It does look like mine, but it's a foot longer, actually, believe it or Even not. Even bigger, which staggers the imagination. But So for like 10 minutes, A, they couldn't get the truck to move because they were asking the wrong person. They were looking for you and not whoever owns it. And B, they were really pissed off at you because they couldn't find you. So it's worked out badly for you like three different ways. Now your actual truck is here. Yes, but I can't even imagine. How, I, yeah, I can't even imagine what our parking lot looks like right now. Jesus. Staggering. Okay, what were you doing today? Why were you late? Okay, I had to go through a walkthrough of the new home with the builder, and this is where they go through and say, oh, fix this, fix that, all this This is stuff. the home you're going to buy? Right, and I cannot close on the house until that was done, and you have to set up an appointment like two weeks in advance and... Yeah. Thanks Nine, for sending it up at 11 in the yeah. morning, by well, the way. 9 a.m. actually was the time it was supposed to take one hour. It took an hour and a half, and then I had to get all the way from the Beaverton Never, here. Never schedule anything in the morning before the show because it always runs four times longer That's kind of what I kept looking through. at my watch going, oh, no, you can we're never, halfway through. No, oh, learned, my God. We've all learned this in the past. You can never schedule anything for like 10 a.m. because it'll never be done on time, and then you'll be late. And then you'll be, you know, you'll be pounding down the road to work at like 11:06, trying to get here before the theme music stops playing. So yeah, you don't want to do that. All right. All so right. are you moving into your new home before you even sold the old one? Yes. You oh, are a radio person. Yeah, I'm a risk taker. Well done, Liz Wild. All right. I told you the market is on the uprise, and the funny part yeah, is, sure. that's I thought why you were just saying on Friday the market was on the downward. No, no, no. That's I why you've been able to up. sell your old house so quickly. They, they dropped that point on the GOP, Remember? No, I'm kidding. They dropped the point. The Feds, right? And you sound like then, you sound like Elliot Ness. On, on, the feds dropped a point on the vig, and we're going to go shake it down on the raft on the east hand side. Well, I'm just still slapping myself that I didn't know what GOP was, but yeah. whatever. Uh, what they, is it? They what dropped, is it? What, what does GOP Grand old party. Okay, and gubernatorial uh, means yeah. what? Uh, I don't know, but I thought that's what GOP meant. Okay. Anyways, uh, they dropped the point, and then on the news. Friday evening, uh-huh. late Friday evening, it's like, the housing market's looking better in the Portland area. I'm like, yeah! So, there you go. So you're going to be selling your house any day now? Any minute I, now I your be, house will I be might sold. be leasing it to you. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> All right. Thank you, All Scotty. Right. All right. Jesus. All right. It's 503-733-2970. I don't even think he ever gave us a reason as to why he's moving into a new house. I guess he's just got it's too much bigger. <laughs> that probably is that reason, right? Would you, it's, it's American, isn't it? Would, I think he did say he did grow out of the other house. Would sir like to supersize his house? Yes, I would. And some curly fries, please. All right. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I think you're lying. No. we Okay, so we worked on our soapbox car all weekend, and then, and then it rained this morning. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. No, and it wasn't all covered, and I think we're just screwed. Yeah. We're not going to be screwed. We'll get it done in time, but it just—it really sucks. It's a big setback, and we were planning on working it all day today. Here's the only reason I kind of laughed, and the reason I sort of said you're lying is because I was actually just going to have a whole segment called Let's See What Everybody's Pissed Off About Today, because I think everybody walked in 
Some of them suitable for the air. Some of them probably not. I think everybody <laughs> walked in angry about something. No, I'm not angry. It just kind of sucks because uh, we didn't work yesterday because we were going to work today and then wake up. It's thunderstorms. All of a sudden, I get a message from my teammate saying, oh, hey, forgot to cover the car. Who <laughs> knew it would rain in rain. Portland? Yeah. Uh, so, so we were supposed to paint it today. And now did it destroy the wood or something on your sofa? I don't, I don't think it destroyed the wood, but we had all the primer on. It wasn't oh, very quality oh, primer. You'll never be able to paint it like that because yeah. you got to take it somewhere and dry it for like a week. When did, and it's this weekend. It's this weekend. Oh, that sucks. That totally sucks. Well, we'll be able to paint it. We'll just hair. I don't know. We'll use a hair dryer or something. Okay. Anyway, so we have the paint. What you should do is get in a small enclosed area with lots of paint and then run the hair dryer. Don't have any ventilation in there. I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly. No, actually, I don't think the wood is very porous, though, right now, which is good. So, so I think it will dry pretty quickly. Well, if it was primered first, that may have kept some of the moisture out. Yeah. And I'm totally it, bluffing. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's about. repainted with I mean, we painted it last year, and then we, we kind of sanded uh, portions of it down and then primered it again. So. Ah. All right. People will be able to watch you uh, engage in the Soapbox Derby when? This Next coming Saturday. Saturday. At 10 a.m. Fantastic. Our car is just, I'm, I'm going to say, our car is gold. It is. I know the concept. It's a great idea. Yeah. It really is very cool. If we can pull it together, it's hilarious. Yeah. We have the structure built, but now it's just, you know, getting it all together. How was Kiki's birthday party? It was fun. All right. Did you go to Storm by chance? I didn't. See, and I didn't get anything either. Everything just kept running into each other. It sucks. You know, I've never been to the Wonder Ballroom ever. I've lived here for 10 years. I've never been there. And I've missed every time there's some cool band at the uh, the Wonder Ballroom. I miss it every time. Every, I'm never able to go. Uh, Tim Riley is working in the following stories for your edification. Hello, Tim. How are you? How was your Friday? It was splendid. I uh, I relayed in a vague way uh, the contents of your voicemail on Friday where you just said, I'm not feeling well. I don't think I should be on a max today. Well, I, I figured out the cause, I think. Uh, would you like to share it and identify them by name? Would you like? Would you uh, like I'm, to... I'm talking about my Friday. No, I'm talking about a sickness. No, no, no. I'm talking about that's what I'm saying. Did you eat somewhere? Uh, no, you... I, actually, I ate here. Oh, but you never I, do that. But, well, here's what happened. I I dropped a pizza slice on the floor. Oh. I, I thought I cleaned it up uh, oh. sufficiently and put it in the microwave. But I think I only enlivened the germs that were already You just there. angered them? Yes. This is it. We'll wreak havoc on his intestines now. So you dropped a piece of pizza on a radio station floor, mm -hmm. and then yeah, you I ate it. Cleaned it up no. significantly. <laughs> no, you're. Yeah, if you microwave those germs, it yeah, it only makes them irritating. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So Friday, I got this um, message reader was like, I Tim, I uh, I am not feeling so well. I I don't think I'll be in today. I. I don't think I should be writing a Max. Goodbye now. I'll see you Monday. So you, yeah, you did sound in a bad way. Yes, I was in a bad way. That's all right. Scotty's news was flawless. You know, I didn't get to hear it. I, I tuned in around like five before seven and done the mic started instead of Scotty. But that's not his problem. No, no. There's on Friday there was uh, yeah I think Lycus was having some satellite issues on Friday and so we got the Donna mic early. But Scotty's news was really um, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it. It was interesting from somewhere. It was. He is ready for Nashua. All right. Oh, speaking of which, we got to do some more of those. We have you have to get those done. Oh, I brought them home over the weekend to listen to them. Uh, so they're not here. They're not here. Well, never mind. We don't have to do that. We're not going to get to that at all today. All right. Tim is working on the following stories today. Uh, those two McMinnville Middle School girls spanking boys are off the hook as charges dismissed. Millions of dollars cost the taxpayers to bring them to court. Eleven extras are hurt during the Tom Cruise Nazi movie shoot in Germany. Hungry elk are devouring Oregon farm crops. Hungry bears eat the man at the Serbian beer festival. Scammers are busted selling widescreen TVs that turn out to be oven doors. And New York mourns the death of Leona Helmsley. Okay. Well, fantastic. 
Yeah, so you go. So we have a uh, snuff watch coming up today, and uh, a whole pile of uh, a whole pile of other things. All right, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. I got a couple of emails. We'll get to these calls here in a second. Rick, please, 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 please tell me someone got audio of Fox 12's... Is this Drew Carney? Drew Carey? What is Drew Carney? I think it's Drew Carney. No, I think that guy. The dark-haired at, guy. That guy works at Channel Eight now. Well, so, oh, his replacement. Rick, please tell me someone got audio of Fox 12's Drew, Drew Carney replacement. Oh, wait for it. He's the weather guy? Is, was Drew Carney the Drew weather Carney guy on Fox? Drew was like the man on the street who would do all the kooky things, like go to yoga classes with pregnant moms and stuff. Well, apparently, so this guy says Drew Carney's replacement this morning was rapping on the air. He says it rivaled the weather girl rap. You're thinking of the traffic girl rap, sir, but I appreciate the sentiment of the email. So apparently on Fox 12 this morning there was somebody rapping. All right, if somebody can get us audio of that, I would, uh, I'd appreciate it. That'd make me happy. All right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Phone calls coming up in a second. Oh, also we've got, uh, we got a little bit of Britney news. I don't even know that it's worth a Britney watch because the Britney watch just sort of seems played out at the moment. It seems like I, I think we're just exhausted. I think the the whole Britney thing has just become rather, rather threadbare. Well, I, I think the TMZ and the Perez Hiltons of the world kind of burn out celebrities quicker than they used to. I think so. Uh, all, really, all we have here is that Britney um, apparently. Yet another. See, this is the other thing, too, is that all of the Britney news after the head shaving, like stuff that she does now that normally would have been really interesting, uh, stuff she does that would have been sort of compelling or weird a year ago, it's like she set the bar so high for herself. Like the head shaving was her thriller. You know what I mean? It's everything since then, it just seems like a lackluster follow-up. Well, there's no rehab for a ha- you know, hair shredding. Well, the other thing is, one is that does she have her hair back or not? I'm so unclear about whether her real hair is back or whether you it's... Know, no, because her, her real hair is only like two, two, three inches long. I'm looking actually at the first picture I've seen of her without her extensions in. Well, so I'm looking, so I'm looking at this article. It says, uh, and I got a lot of people who sent this to me over the weekend. Uh, and I only mention this so you can go online. I don't know if you've posted the Allure picture of her or not. Um, the cover of the September issue of Allure magazine features Britney Spears pose provocatively. And this is so tired. In jeans and a dark brown wig, her bare breasts covered by... In what world is that Is that still interesting? The idea that... It, first of all, this idea... This is like when magazines always say, you know, Scarlett Johansson will be doing a provocative nude... Fo- if I can't see something, it's not nude. You know what I mean? You're just covered by something that's like clothing but not clothing. If I can't see anything, it doesn't really count as a nude cover. And really, it doesn't even count as a topless cover if your hands are folded over yourself. I'm not saying Britney has to go nude. I'm just saying a little truth in advertising is what I'm seeking. Anyway, but she showed up to do this big article and this big photo shoot for Allure. They got, like, one photo done, and then she left and never came back. So instead, the article is just about how they tried to find her and spent, like, three weeks tracking her down, could never locate her. That and that... And she's on the cover of Allure magazine, and she looks really good, but by the same token, it doesn't look anything like her at all. At all. So I would encourage you to go check out the cover of Allure magazine. Don't spend money for it, for the love of God. Don't pay for it. Um, But go look at the cover of Allure magazine and check out this sort of weird cyber robo-Britney that they've got on the front, who looks really great, but she kind of looks like she might be Britney's sort of more attractive, more wit-it, non-identical twin. She doesn't look anything like Britney herself. All right, before I do anything else, let's uh, get a couple of these. Do we have a youth and revolt? Oh, we lost the youth and revolt call. Let's talk to John. Hi. 
Hey, good morning, everybody. Up, Happy Monday. Um, so I was heard what happened to Tim, and I just thought I'd start a discussion. And real quick, how many times have each of you been sick from radio food over the years? Well, when you say radio food, what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, if you were working in an office or whatever, you know, you'd probably be not eating as you're always talking about the sanitation conditions and how you're always ah. eating at a vending machine yeah. or Seven Eleven and that sort of thing. And so, because you work in radio, because that's whatever, you know, how many times do you think over and above you've been sick? You know what I mean? Beyond I don't know. I actually don't. Career. I actually better, don't sorry. get sick. I don't get sick a lot. Uh, I actually stay pretty healthy. I mean, I'll get sick a couple times a year, um, but I actually don't get sick very often, and I really do believe it's because, as George Carlin once said, I give my immune system lots of practice. Do you know what I mean? Really, by working in a radio station, which is just rife, rife with people who don't bathe, wouldn't even having a passing, don't even have a passing relationship with the soap, um, and because the vast majority of food I've eaten in my life has either come out of a vending machine, or it's come out of some sort of a sealed bag, or it's come out of a box with a cheese packet next to it. I mean, I don't... Really, I would say less than one-fourth of the food that I've consumed in my life has had some sort of fresh genesis to it. Do you know what I mean? It's almost... Look, and I will tell you this. And as much as we make fun of weekenders and as much as we ridicule weekenders, everybody in this room was a weekender at some point. Everybody here, except for Scotty, at one point started as a weekender, part-timer, mm -hmm. overnight, something like that. And I do remember those nights way back in the golden days of, you know, like 10 years ago, 12 <laughs> years ago, 15 years ago, whatever, when you would work a late night or you'd have... You know, you would work some weekend shift back when radio stations used to actually hire people for the overnights and the weekends. And it would be about four in the morning, and you would, I mean, you like hadn't eaten for about a day and a half. And really, as much as we ridicule weekenders, we all engage in that same behavior, going into the kitchen and just anything anything that looks slightly edible. You know what I mean? But like, you were leaving like powdered sugar on the microphone or no, something like no, that. No, no, you'd eat that powdered sugar. You didn't leave anything behind. I, there you go. Thank you, sir. Let me just tell you this. When I was in the kitchen this morning, I actually opened one of the cupboards looking for some creamer because we were out of creamer. And in one of the kitchen cupboards is a sealed bag of Doritos. It's like a perfectly decent, reasonable, completely edible bag of Doritos. And I actually did have this little thought process in my head about, you know, I remember when I was a weekender how that would have been worth its weight in gold. Hmm. I remember actually one time, it's the last story I'll tell about this and we got to get some other stuff. I remember once when I was a weekender actually being so hungry at about 3.30 in the morning that I actually went, I, 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 I didn't, um, I, I took this really circuitous route around the building, ended up in the receptionist lobby, and I ate, like, the entire bowl of Starlight Mints that was on the front of the receptionist's desk. You know those, like, those red and white mints that they give you at, like, an Italian restaurant? There was a bowl of, like, 15 of those. Just ate the entire thing. Um, uh, let's see. Do I have? Well, I have a little bit of time here because we're not doing um, we're not doing room to 11:50. I will say this. Uh, I want to thank everybody who pointed me in the direction of Battlestar Galactica, the series. Uh, I spent most of this weekend just trying to get. It was a massive media consumption weekend. I spent the entire weekend alternating between Battlestar Galactica, the new series starring Edward James Almost, uh, which I have on DVD now. Fatboy gave that to me. That and uh, the Wasp Factory, which is that uh, that creeped out book. Oh, did you finish it? Yeah, I, uh, it was okay. Uh, strong, yeah. strong start, kind of fell apart uh, in the, the final third to me. I mean, not a bad, first novel. I think he wrote it when he was like 20-something. I guess it was the first book he ever wrote, and you know, whatever. It, is, it has some interesting imagery in it. I didn't, I didn't find it to be as creepy as everybody else said they found it to be. It, I, I didn't find it uh, that disturbing. You know what I watched yesterday? Huh. Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, how effed up is that? I will never watch that again. Who wants to do drugs? Yeah. 
<laughs> I cried. Oh, I know. It'll mess you up. Oh, my God. It's like being punched in the soul. And you were right. I, like, I was I was texting to Lisa on the phone. I'm like, Rick said to watch it on a strong day. I think yeah. I picked the wrong and, day. And did you? No, because I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before I woke oh, up. Oh, so you were all tired. And... Yeah, and like Raul and I had gotten into a slight disagreement. And then, um... Let's watch Rick waiting for a dream to pick ourselves up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so Fantastic. awful. Then let's watch a documentary about the Holocaust. That's, that's great. The mom just breaks my heart. Ellen Burstyn? The, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah. What a strong cast, huh? Boy, that's... I was watching it, and I read all... I read the entire DVD. I read, like, the back, and I read the yeah. insert, like, the booklets. I read it for, like, a half an hour, and I'm like, there's no way that a movie can possibly make you feel the way that these people are, are saying that oh, it does. Requiem for a Dream. Here's how I described it. It was like someone had just taken steel wool and just bored out your soul. I mean, that's really what it's like. I mean, it's a fantastic movie. It's one of the most brilliantly made I will, movies. I, but I'll, but Lars is just like, I'll never see this again, ever, after I was, ever. After I was watching, I was cooking something, and you see everything in the way that's shot, like you opening your cup and be like, totally. and you see yeah. like, everything in those little segmented things. Mm. I felt like I was crazy yesterday yeah. all day. Well, I would be cooking this. something, and I'd hear like, you know, like the spoon hitting the side of the pan. And the score to Requiem for a Dream, and it's got that one, that's that the Kronos Quintet, and it's got that one Is it the one from little signature. Later? No. It has that foreboding, like kind of almost industrial well, music. Well, it's the score for tw- uh, the score for Requiem for a Dream was later used for Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers for the TV commercials for that. But it's that da na da na 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 da na 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 da na 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 na. So I was a big fan of the score because I thought it was really gripping, really compelling. And I had I had um um I had bought you know like from iTunes or whatever I had bought the Requiem for a Dream soundtrack. So I had that sitting on the computer. Lara had just stuck a bunch of stuff from the computer on her iPod, and then she was out doing a she was like jogging or bicycling or whatever and she said she was out around town and the requiem for a dream soundtrack came on and so there she is like bicycling around town it's rainy it's dark it's dreary it's overcast then the requiem for a dream music comes into her headphones and she made the point that when you listen to this the requiem for a dream score while you're around town suddenly it just you are in the film suddenly everybody you see is a junkie everybody you meet is you know is a criminal everything is bad there's no hope left in the universe she's like it just sucked all the sunlight out of my soul so God. That, that being said, great movie. And what, yeah, and oh, yeah, and I didn't ever think that I'd like um, what's his name, Jamie, Jamie Fox. Yeah, uh, no, 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 it's uh, no, it's uh, uh, not Jamie. Mar- Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans. Thank yeah, you. no, he's yeah, he's everybody's great in that movie. Yeah, don't ever see that guy's first movie, Pie. It's not as messed up as Requiem for a Dream, but it's equally bleak. It was so. just, it was so depressing, and, and it at makes the you... end, it's just nothing but bad endings for everybody. I mean, when it's flashing, yeah. I mean, that really? was a little disturbing with Jennifer Connelly. Really, the closest thing to a happy, and then we're going to quit talking about a movie that maybe you haven't watched. The closest don't thing, watch it. The Please cl- watch it on a strong day. Rick the closest right. thing to, to a happy ending is Jennifer Connelly having to become somebody, uh, a sex slave to the guy who plays Spawn. <laughs> Hello, Maid Marian. <laughs> yeah, badass. That was so wrong. Yeah. So there you go. Especially it's written on the back of the picture of the two of them. Yes. Oh, man. So you, I'm not a fan. So you were watching Rec Room for a Dream. I I'm going to let somebody borrow it and just give it to them. I don't even want to give it to them. I want it in my house. I was reading a book about a guy who sets fire to rabbits uh, it, when I wasn't busy watching a miniseries about the extermination of the human race. So there you go. I got that. Oh, my wife spent all night. To, my wife spent all day and all night throwing up. We went to Aaron's. Killer weekend. No, we went to, and this is, and we, we were so late. We have to break here in a second. My, we went to Aaron uh, Geek in the City, his wife Jen's birthday party on Saturday. 
which was badass, by the way, because they rented out Guardian Games, which is that it's like a role-playing game, video game store. It's a total geek headquarters, and they have, like, Guitar Hero on a huge screen and everything. So how cool is that they rented out a role-playing game store, oh, like a game awesome. store for Jen's birthday? So we go there, and you think geeks, right? And you think, we'll have soda and pie. But really, there's nobody who drinks it is like a geek drinks. And so we walked into Jen's party, and there's just a huge table full of booze. Just, I mean, just like alcohol as far as the eye can see. And so all night, it was just like... It was just like endless shots of just whatever happened to be the closest bottle to you. So this is my wife's Saturday night. My wife's Saturday night is taking shot after shot after shot, uh, shot of, of uh, vodka and then jumping up and down playing Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> so she's all, come on, give me some more vodka. Dance Dance Revolution. And so then she's just doing all of this cardio activity. And so we left, and then she had to be up at 5 o'clock the next day. So my wife and I... Leave Jan's party at about 12.30 at night. We leave there at about midnight 30, midnight 40, something like that. She has to be up for work at 5 in the morning. We don't even get three blocks away when she says those magic words. I think you're going to pull the car over. (laughs) And then she didn't even make it out of the car. She didn't even. So if you you were driving up um, Powell on Saturday night and you happened to see a car pulled over by the side of the road and you happened to see a big stream of viscous goo shooting out of the uh, passenger side door, that was my wife. And this is the best part. And maybe you've experienced this. Where we pull over by the side of the road and she actually says, okay, don't listen to this. Which is, I'm like a foot away. There's no not listening. So, I mean, she didn't even get the door all the way open. It's like I pulled over by the side of the road, and you know the different tones of voice, right? There is the tone of voice that says, well, we should get home because I'm not feeling so well. And then there's the tone of voice that says, you need to pull the car over. You know, and you can just hear that, that's, that's like quaver in the voice that indicates that that means now. Uh-huh. So we pull over, and, man, she didn't even get the door all the way open. And it was like fire hosing, just right onto the – and then we go home. And we walk in, and man, it was, here's how bad it was. I don't mean to embarrass my wife, but this is how drunk and how sick she was. It was actually, and again, keep in mind, it's like midnight 30, it's like 12.30. She had to get up at 5 the next day. It was so bad that I actually slept on the sofa in the living room all night just because I already kind of knew she was going to get no sleep. I shouldn't say this. This is the worst detail. It was so bad, she did what maybe some of us have done. She... Slept with the pan right next to the, right next to the oh, bed. Oh, that's not embarrassing. Right next to the bed, and I just said, I said, baby, I'm gonna sleep out on the sofa. I don't wanna, I don't wanna keep you awake, which of course is code for. I don't wanna, disgusting. Yeah, I don't wanna lay in bed next to you while you're vomiting into a oh. pan on the floor. So if it's all the same to you, Max and I will sleep on the sofa. So that was her weekend. Apparently that continued throughout the next day, like every 90 minutes or so while she was at work. It was a great weekend for everyone. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, I woke up on Sunday, you know, and yesterday was gray and icky. I watched, I think, like six movies in a row yesterday. Yeah. Requiem for a Dream right in the middle of them. And oh, I was going to say, did you end that with that? No did way. You... I watched that, and then I watched Heathers, and then I still couldn't get it out of my mind, so then I watched Labyrinth, still couldn't get it out of my the mind. The idea that you wanted something to pick you up and you watched Heathers is pretty great. Oh, that's a great movie. You're not going to let Requiem for a Dream back clean up? Did a, did a little Labyrinth watching, then watched um, The Devil Wears Prada, and then watched V for Vendetta. Ah, uh, all right. It's a lot of movies. All right. Fantastic. Excellent. <sighs> Oh, by the way, for the people who were writing to me, yes, it was unrated. unrated version. Oh, yeah, the director's version. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get to see the big black uh, marital aid in the uh, in the theater cut at the end. I was looking at them like, that's really, they're really doing that? Yes, yes, they are, Sarah. Sometimes you got to pay the bills. 
All right. Uh, let's see. Well, let's we'll take a break here because we're really behind. We'll come back. We've got phone calls coming up. Uh, Jim Roop this hour. Later on, Lisa Goddard, Peter Carlin, Top 5, Tim Riley. Stay there. Sir Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. I was going to queue up a Requiem for a Dream music. I didn't have a chance. No. The great thing, though, is that guy, the David Keith guy, or Keith David, I can never remember. The uh, the huge uh, the huge black man that Jennifer Connelly uh, is servicing. Oh, he's toward so the... creepy. Hello, Maid Marian. I dig that guy, too. He's great. He's one of my favorite actors. Got a great even though I can't remember his name. Keith David or David Keith. One is the guy from the Partridge family. No, that's Brian Keith. Whatever. And he was the voice of Spawn. He's got a great voice. He's a guy you hear his voice everywhere, even if you don't know it. He was also in They Live. Just a great actor. But um, just a huge menacing presence. Oh, and he says he that really creepy line when she first meets him. Yeah, well, he's and he has that line. Gonna be a gathering on Saturday. All good people. Yeah, uh, and he's got like purple lipstick on too. He's got purple lipstick and just like the close-ups <laughs> of his teeth. <laughs> I ain't taking it out for air. Oh, yeah, that times. All right, hey, it's we got uh, we got Jim Roop coming up, but it's time for another exciting edition of. Let me find the volume control. It's a time for another exciting edition of. Rick Emerson's High Concept Monday. So we will now take a series of phone calls today. Hi, as, uh, today's high concept question is this. Great movies you never want to see again. Good one. In honor of Sarah Dillon's uh, exposure to Requiem for a Dream uh, this weekend. Great movies you don't ever want to watch again. Ah, but the, Can I go? Are, are we going to start it off? And also, and the great thing about these movies is they're so horrifying and traumatic, you don't ever want to see them again, but then you always feel compelled to make other people watch them. Hence the Requiem for a Dream. Yes. Do you see why I wanted you to see it? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's all up. you got to watch this. Yeah, yeah. You'll hate me, but you got to watch it. It's great. Uh, 503-733-2970. The topic of this high concept segment of the Rick Emerson Show is great movies you never want to see again. Did you have another one? Well, Fahrenheit 9-11. Yeah, I could see that. I, I never... That. No, it's, it's too depressing. I'd put Bowling for Columbine in there, too. Oh, yeah. How Which, about everything Michael Moore's ever done? <laughs> Roger take, and me, I don't want to see Skinned Rabbits again. That's for me. I'll take every Michael Moore film ever. It's <laughs> 503-733-2970. Oh, Dancer in the Dark. Have you seen Dancer in the Dark no, with Bjork? and I will not. Oh, it's a great film. It's genius. But and you I, never want to watch it again? But I never want to watch it again. You know why? Being kicked in the soul over and over again for like 90 minutes. My friend Todd made me watch it. He actually sat in the room with me while we did watch it, and he did it for the same reason. Like, I don't want to be the only one with this thing in my head. Ooh, I have one more. Um, Broke Down Palace. Which, uh, uh, James Spader? It has, no, it has um, Claire Danes in it. And no. it's this, it's these two girls traveling to Thailand, and one of them tries to smuggle, like, this guy convinces them to smuggle drugs out of the country, and they end up in a Thai prison for the rest of their lives. That's not the Vince Vaughn thing. That's Trapped in Paradise? Yeah, this is Broke Down Palace. Okay. Then, you know, if you It like... is my biggest fear, because I love traveling, and they're stuck there in Thailand forever, and the American embassy couldn't get them out, and they're just stick, stuck there to rock. If forever. you like Broke Down Palace, Sarah, you'll love Midnight Express. Which is uh, a very similar movie based on a true story. No, no, no. That's no, that's Permanent Midnight. Okay. Midnight Express is a movie that came out in the late 70s. Same, almost the same exact plot based on a true story. A guy who gets busted trying to smuggle drugs out of Turkey. They, that's where the line, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? That kind of joke. Mm. It comes from that movie. And it's all in featuring an elongated sequence where he's hung by the heels and they beat the soles of his feet. My sister bought me Broke Down Palace for Christmas, and I wrapped it up at her birthday and gave it right back to her. Excellent. I never want to see it again. All right. The subject of High Concept Monday is great movies you never want to see again. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. Hey, I got a... <laughs> I hate to screw up your high concept uh, your message, but I've got another high concept message. Words you never want to hear again when you call your screener. Okay. 
Hey, I called up this morning. I was having a great day, and I heard the words, Oh, it's you. I'm glad you called. I had a dream about you last night. <laughs> uh, never, want to, never want to hear those words again. Okay. All right. Excellent. Thank you. You might want to talk to your uh, screener and find out uh, where his head is today. He, oh, oh, this is Scotty had a dream about you? It had a dream about me. All right. Okay. Well, and we'll... He, he was afraid I'd never call again. Right. And we'll... I just, I feel unclean. We'll look into it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Now. All right. Let's see. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Why, hello there. Hi, I've got one. Yes. A Clockwork Orange. Oh, Clockwork yeah. Orange, which I think I've only ever seen twice, and I know it's a modern classic. Um, but Clockwork Orange is one of those movies that you watch, and I watched it way after it had become famous. And I knew it was an important film, sort of culturally, and I'm a big Kubrick fan, so I watched it. And Clockwork Orange is like a, a lot of things where there's always that joke about... Uh, how do I put this? There's always that joke about a certain sexual act, which... Many women are sort of pressured into by their husbands. And the, the joke is always you do it twice, once to try it, and the second time to see if it really is that bad. That's, how, <laughs> that's what Clockwork Orange is like. I watched it the first time to watch it, and then I watched it again just to see if it actually was that traumatic. And it really and, was. And you can never listen to Beethoven the same way again. No, no. Ludwig von. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. All right. The subject is great movies you never want to watch again. Hi, you're on the Rick, Rick Emerson I've Show. I've got two. Yes. American Psycho and Schindler's List. Schindler's List. I'd be, I'd be with you on that. I've only ever seen it once. I don't ever need to put that in my head again. Yeah, can I recommend uh, one good one to see over and over, which is One Hour Photo. That was fabulous. I just watched it last night again. I kind of have this embargo on Robin Williams for the next I, five he, years. He's not Robin Williams in that film. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Well, one Hour Photo is kind of depressing, too, because it's like just another sad, lonely man. He's stalking a suburban family, right, because he sees their photographs. Yeah, he's not stalking them so much. I just he, wanted to have your life. Yeah, he's just kind of obsessed in a creepy way. I are on the Rick Emerson Show. What is a great movie you never wish to see again? Hello? Hi, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm Jacob's Ladder with Tim Robbins. Jacob's Ladder, another movie that I think I saw twice, but about ten years apart. Is that the one about the autistic boy? No, no. I'm no, this... off today. Jacob's Ladder is Tim Robbins, who's a Vietnam vet who was, I'm giving away the ending here, who was dosed with a bunch of psychotropic drugs without his knowledge in Vietnam, and so he spends his adult life hallucinating. And then at the end, turns out that the whole thing was a hallucination in the last moments before he died in Vietnam, and he zipped up on his body back. Bam. Hey, one more thing. Yes, sir. About last week, you guys were talking about, you know, emo kids. Yeah. I wanted to tell you an emo joke. Okay, go ahead, sir. Uh, how many emo kids does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. None. They just sit in the dark and cry. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Yeah, bye. All right. I can't believe I laughed at that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, Hi, Rick. Hi, great movie you never wish to see again. Brokeback Mountain. And why? Two gay cowboys. I... Okay, that can't be the only reason, really. Well, I didn't really. want to take the movie sad at the end. I've never seen it. It's very sad. I never watched it. It was gone from the theater before I had a chance to uh, no, blah, it, blah, blah. No, it's disturbing. <laughs> is it, now, please, is it disturbing because it's sad, or is it disturbing because they're the gay? Um, well, I, I, I have gay friends and everything. Really? You, it's, it's you have many, many friends who are gay? All right. I, I can barely hear you over the music. Right. but bye now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, I would have to say Kids is the most oh, disturbing yeah. movie. Dude, Kids is all kinds of messed up. Yeah. 
I remember, it's uh, got everything that will make you never want to see it again. I remember watching kids in the theater, and especially when kids first came out, there was that whole um, there was that whole uh, that whole story. I guess kind of an urban legend that they were all actually teenagers. Uh, that was you know the, the Larry Clark had found just a bunch of sixteen and seventeen year olds to be in that movie because they were just so. I hate this phrase, but it was just such a naturalistic kind of acting. Mm-hmm. It was all just very... And then there's that whole creepy scene at the end where he just, like, full-on, like... You know, oh, he's, he's getting and on that, that girl while she's... died. Yeah, the, the guy who played Casper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was watching The Wire, which is a great show on HBO, and the guy who plays the, the lead kid, not Casper, but Casper's sidekick, whoever that is, he's on The Wire, and it's weird because it's hard to shake that image of him from kids out of your head. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I see I see the, him on the wire, and he still looks like what's-his-name in Kids. And he's just got that weird marble-mouthed way of talking. Yeah. It's just all kinds of creepy. All right. Uh, we'll do one more here, and then we'll uh, then we'll talk to uh, Jim Roop. Hi, Emma. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, hi. I wanted to put my vote in for a great movie that I never want to see again, which is Open Water. Oh, dude, that is the most disturbing <laughs> film. Not the most disturbing, but, boy, that is a film... Here's what Roger Ebert said about open water, and I agree. He said after watching open water, he just had to go out and walk around in the sun for about an hour to try to illuminate his life again. Open water is so dark and grim and just just bleak, man. It's just the definition of a bleak film. Yeah, well, you know, the really obvious bad part is pretty obvious, but what really got me was their dialogue between the two of them. Yeah. Being married, and they're just, like, totally nitpicking at each other, and my husband and I watched that movie together, and he was even more disturbed by it than I was, Ugh. yet he recommends it to everybody. Oh, no, that's, I told everybody, like, you got to watch Open Water. Do it alone. Do it while floating in a swimming pool. So, yep. All right. Uh, Thank you, Emma. Okay, bye. Right, there you go. Open Water is that, uh, is that movie uh, about the couple. They're scuba diving in the middle of the ocean and through some logistical mix-up, the ship leaves without them. And they come up from scuba diving, and they break the surface of the water, and the ship is gone. Oh, and they're just floating in the middle of the no Pacific Ocean. way. And, you know, I got a whole thing about the water anyway and creatures that live in it. And so the next movie, the, the rest of the movie is just like tracks them for like three days floating in the middle of the ocean by themselves, nothing there. And, I mean, it's... it's uh, and just thinking about it makes me... Just thinking about it fills my head with a big black rainbow. Hmm. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program, James Roop. What is the greatest movie you don't ever wish to see again? I think Open Water is pretty close. Dude, how messed up is that movie? That's pretty, you know, but I I kept sitting there going, how? How did they come up with this dialogue? Obviously, nobody was out there watching these two float in this water. Yeah, it's, it is, and that's the other creepy thing, is it is sort of based on a true story. Yeah. It's based on a true story of a couple that got left behind, and there were some allegations later that it was really that the guy killed her and then killed himself or vanished or whatever, but it's based on this story that is widely believed to be true about a, a couple that was left behind by a scuba diving boat. Yep. And watching open water... I mean, it just it just fills you with just this endless just like gloom that just goes on forever. It's not even that the movie was scary as such. It's just that it was relentlessly bleak. I mean, that's the only word I can come up with. Yeah, and you get you get the feeling what it's like to know 
that any any time you're just going to die. Yeah. You're going to die. Yeah. So what do you do? How do you occupy that time? It's it's funny because I spent last week talking a lot about, um, and I haven't ever named it because I, I we've been given a lot of book recommendations lately, and I don't want to go overboard with it. But I just uh, read a book that was very similar to Open Water, and uh, later on this week I'll talk about that a little bit. But that that whole thing of just being alone in the vastness of the ocean, I mean that will just that will mess you up. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I kind of dig the ocean. I, I I like to surf at night and. Uh, oh, see, just the whole notion of surfing at night. You don't know what lives out in that ocean, Jim. There are giant squid out there just waiting to devour you whole. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I really, I really love it, man. Especially when you can't see the waves break, but you can hear them. Oh, Very oh cool. see, it just creeps me out. I, I recognize that I have sort of a weird. Uh, I don't sort of. I do have a phobia about the water. Um, and I don't know why my mom my mom claims not to turn this into Rick's uh, shrink session. My mom claims it's because when I was uh, when I was really really young. I mean too young to remember when I was about six months old. Uh, I nearly drowned, and oh. I don't have any recollection of it. But my mom is convinced that that's why I have this water phobia. Um, and they had to do CPR on me and 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 the whole the whole deal, which is doubly creepy when you think about having to do CPR on a six month old. Um, but so my mom is convinced that that's where my water phobia came from, which was me almost drowning when I was a kid. And but to this day, just water that is over my head just fills me with with just all kinds of just just blackness. So so of course, what do I do? I subject myself to every kind of movie, book, television show. Shark Week comes on. I watch it every year. I think I'm trying to burn the phobia out of my soul, but all it's done is made me more neurotic. You know what I mean? All right. Hey, I know you you got a busy day today because you're talking about this um this give me kind of the the lowdown scoop on this this woman who got arrested and deported oh. because the the spin from both sides has already begun on this woman, and so I don't even know what's real and what's not okay, well, here's here's the story okay uh in nineteen ninety seven she was deported she was uh, arrested and deported she made her way back into the country wound up uh working at uh, Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. On a cleaning crew, she cleaned planes. In 2002, she was caught, arrested, convicted on having a false Social Security card, and ordered deported again. Before she was to turn herself in, surrendered to authorities for deportation, she sought sanctuary at this church in Chicago, this Methodist church in Chicago right. on the west side. She has been there ever since, with the exception of this past weekend, uh, she was driven to L.A., to start this national tour to speak out in favor of amnesty for illegal immigrants. Now, I didn't think, let's just stop for a second, I didn't know that you could actually seek sanctuary in a church. I thought that was sort of an urban legend. I didn't think that no, actually worked. That. Yeah, you, I mean, ICE, honestly, ICE could, uh, immigration, the Customs and Immigration could have penetrated that sanctuary and, and arrested her, but I think there's some sort of... You know, well, we're not going to go mess in a church. Right, right, um, right. And they just kind of waited for her to come out, you know. And the whole time, she's talking about, you know, she wants, you know, her. She doesn't want to be separated from her eight-year-old son. Well, and all of this. I don't mean to sound to sound crass about this, but I mean, okay, they they sent her back to Mexico. Did she take the kid with her? Uh, no, the kid's here. The kid, the uh, legal guardians are uh, is the wife of the pastor of that church. Well, how does that even work? Well, she uh, signed the kid over, I guess. I guess the kid came with a pink slip. I have no idea. I mean, it's just, it, there's, this story is just is so muddled, and it does, I mean, mm, I'm treading on thin ice here, but it really doesn't, it is, I think it probably is open to debate about whether that is a good 
and I'm not I'm not a parent, but whether that's a good parenting move or not to be like living to be laminate with your kid for a year. Um, you know, and then you sign somebody else who's not a relation to the kid over as the legal guardian and putting yourself in a position where you're obviously going to end up inevitably being arrested. Uh, it's just, I, uh, I, I just don't even well, know. That, that whole, that whole babies born in the U.S. or citizens thing mm-hmm. has been abused to the brink anyway. Um, the reason that was ever put into play anyway uh, was when we needed to populate this country. Right. And when people were coming through Ellis Island or whatever other legal port, the, the, the officials were saying, look, um, you've you got to go through the immigration paperwork, all this bureaucracy. But if you have a kid here, we're not going to worry about the kid. Well, he's a citizen. Right. All right but you've got to go through the paperwork. Now, that in and of itself sounds right when we needed to populate the nation. However, we don't have to do that anymore. And people still need to come through the legal, the, the legal way into this country. And that law could still play if they were coming through this country legally. But there should be an amendment in there that says if you're an illegal immigrant, if you came into this country illegally, if you're now a felon because you came into the country illegally, then that, that doesn't work for your kid. You can't. Your kid is not a citizen. Because that has led to the rise, and I don't, again, I mean to sound cynical about it, but that has led to the rise of any number of these so-called anchor babies, right? Well, yeah, that's what exactly what they're being called. Yeah. Um, and, and, and along with every other problem you can think of. But uh, that's, I think that's where, the, that's where everybody's going wrong on this immigration issue, is that they're not tackling it where it needs to be tackled. And that is putting an amendment to that portion of the Constitution that says, okay, but if you have come into this country illegally and you haven't even attempted to come through the proper channels, then that doesn't hold for your kid. Well, that was going to be my next question. Is, is, did she, I mean... No, she never came into this country legally. And did, but did she make any attempt to? No. Was there any? Well, see, and that's that's kind of where it all falls down for me. Is I mean, I and again, I understand the economic realities of, uh, you know, of, of Mexico versus the United okay, States. Okay, well, here, then listen to this. If if you're going to be compared to Rosa Parks in this country, you need to be Rosa Parks in Mexico. You need to fight for economic justice there. Not come over here and expect it to be entitled to you just because this country is a free country. If if you want to fight for something. You got to do that in your own country, so you don't have to come over here. Wouldn't you want to do that? And 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 again, did she have the kid here? Yes. Okay. He's only eight. Yeah. She, She's been here. She first came over in in ninety seven. Boy, and you know, I got to tell you, it it really it, it does rankle me the idea that somebody and I, you know what. It, I will say this: she's, you know, she's an adult and she makes her own decisions. And if she wants to bolt over the border, come in illegally, whatever, that that's her choice for her. However, it turns out, the idea that while you are a criminal on the run from the government, that you would then decide that's the time to start reproducing, that doesn't really that doesn't really scream proper parenting material to me. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it should void that baby citizenship yeah. thing. It it really should it really should exit out. It, but it's not. And and I have no problem with immigration. The problem I have is nobody uses the word illegal when they should. Right, right. They're talking about immigration rights, immigrants' rights. Immigrants have rights. They do. We're all products of immigrants. What's that line in the, the Bill Murray line? We've been kicked out of some of the greatest countries in the world. Yes. We're all, we're all from immigrants. Well, we're a nation of mutts. There's no so, getting around that. Exactly. Yeah. So we know, we know immigrants have rights. We know this nation was built on the back of immigrants, but it wasn't built on the back of illegal immigrants. 
Well, it's uh, you know we have a uh, we have a mayor uh, here in Portland who is a uh, who's very reluctant to enforce any of those laws or to crack down on illegal immigration, and so so Tim Riley and I have constantly said that we're just going to go sneak into Tom Potter's house and live in his living room, and then and then demand that he feed us and hire us on in his house. We're, now why 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 would he be nervous about enforcing these laws? Uh, you know, who's he going to tick off? The illegal immigrants? I mean, They're not voters. Just going to say Portland is Portland is a sometimes muddled and confusing town. I will grant you, my friend. Uh, I don't. Right. Know, I don't understand why anybody's concerned about it. Uh, they, they don't vote. I, you got. Yeah, you got me. I mean, I've exhausted my mental faculties numerous times just in this city alone. I'm gonna go float in the water by myself at night. <laughs> I've had it. Do that. Go. Go here, to, Sharky. Sharky. Drink heavily beforehand, sir. Take my wife. So I can have somebody to yell at. Excellent. Thank you, Jim. Thank Roof. you. Thank you in Los Angeles. There you go. Fantastic. All right. Hey, we're gonna break. We'll come back after this. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley in the new news hour next. Later on, Lisa Goddard, Peter Carlin, the top five, the second worst story ever. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. Second worst story ever, top five. Uh, Scotty J, Lisa Goddard. This, however, at the Ministry of Truth is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. News breaking now. Atlanta Falcons quarterback Michael Vick has pleaded guilty, guilty, to federal charges relating to his dog-fighting activities. In a statement, Vick agreed to plead guilty and accept a plea deal after consulting with his family and will, quote, accept full responsibility for the mistakes he made. And now, is he, does it say if he's pled guilty to the gambling charges as well as the actual charges of the dog mistreatment? Let's see here. Because the gambling charges, oddly enough, that's what's going to finish his career. Mm-hmm. He is expected to be sentenced uh, next Monday. He could face up to five years in prison, fines of more than $250,000. Oh, please let him go to prison. Uh, the agreement also brings into question Vic's NFL League future. He's been banned from the Falcons training camp. Uh, the co-defendants have agreed to plea deals in exchange for uh, contributing evidence against Vic, who was charged with taking animals over state lines. I thought I had something else here. Apparently, he's doing this to try to save his uh, NFL career. <laughs> no. No, those days have passed. He may, I will say this, I don't know a whole lot about football, but I, I, from what I've seen, uh, it does seem very, well, first of all, the Falcons are going to kick that guy to the, to the, to the curb. Uh, I mean, permanently, because he's already been banned. It's, the irony, of course, of all this is that it's not even the actual dogfighting as such that's going to end his career if it's ended. I mean, that will certainly, that has, I mean, Nike has already dropped him. All of his other endorsements have run screaming. The gambling, though, you are, I believe, contractually forbidden to engage in any, uh, I forget the actual language, but any sort of gambling activity which tarnishes the image of the NFL. And so it is actually the gambling, if he pleads to that, that, that I think contractually speaking, he, he cannot play for the NFL anymore. I think that that is a lifetime ban from the NFL. Best case scenario, he's going to get picked up by some ninth-tier team at a deep discount. Uh, you know, whenever this finally blows over. I, man, God could not like me enough to send him to prison. That would be, I mean, really, I just, it couldn't pop. You know, this has been, I'm not saying it's a bad day. 
But I will say this, that I think all of us sort of came in here today under a little bit of a cloud. It seems to be a fine program. Everything seems to be working. Uh, no technical malfunctions. No, we're moving on. The audience is in a great mood. Everybody's having a great time. But I think all of us right now are sort of emerging from our own personal cloud bank from whatever this weekend. Um, you know, what would make me happy, what would put a smile on my face, a spring in my step, and a little song in my heart is if Michael Vick went to prison. That would make me happy. And we're not going to find that out today, but that would make me happy beyond belief. F that guy. Fantastic. Well, I guess this uh, qualifies as a Darwin watch from the Coup. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, here's your Darwin watch right here on the Rick Emerson radio program. I'm feeling some bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I need all my caps. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Here's your Darwin watch for Monday. Just I stepped all over that. Ah, there it goes. Here's Tim Riley. A 16-year-old boy from the Cove was killed yesterday after falling from a skateboard while hanging onto a moving vehicle. The teen is identified as Joseph Stefano Madison of the Cove. Uh, he was being pulled by a vehicle driven by another 16-year-old when Joseph the accident happened. Joseph McFly Stefano. At 4 p.m. This happened at the intersection of Northeast 29th and Northeast 139th. Just down the street from uh, Legacy Salmon Creek Hospital, so that is convenient anyway. The sheriff's office in Madison was holding the rear driver's side window and was being pulled down the road when the vehicle suddenly hit a dip in the street. Madison lost his grip on the window and smacked his head on the pavement. Uh, the youngster down at the scene, they don't believe the car was traveling that fast when the team fell. Nobody else was injured. Two other 16-year-olds in the vehicle uh, were uninjured also. Well. Alcohol and drugs uh, do not appear to be a factor in this one. Really? Huh. Okay. That's like the, uh, we had that story. I don't even know if we got to it. We had that story about the, the new, we should ask Rupa about this next, and the new craze in Los Angeles, which is this, uh, what is it called? Riding the whip or ghost riding the whip or something like that. Hmm. It's some idiot thing they do in Los Angeles where kids will be driving along. They'll get in a parking lot, and it'll be some kid in an SUV. A bunch of other people gather around him. They will be driving, you know, sort of idling the car along in a parking lot. And I swear to Christ, this is true. They will then put the car in neutral or drive or whatever, just letting it idle forward. And then while the car is still moving, they will climb out of the driver's side window. And I swear to you, they will then break dance on the hood of the moving car. And then post all the videos on YouTube, of course. Any number of which apparently uh, involve the kids then being run over by their own SUVs. Because... God sort of God sort of does just let things work themselves out sometimes. All right, there you go. There's your Darwin watch from Monday on the Rick Emerson don't, show. Don't, don't. Here's Tim Riley. Go ahead and drink that yellow water if you live in Tacoma. Not from your public utilities department. Really? Yeah, the, there's nothing to worry about that. Your water is yellow. Go ahead. Frank Zappa says the yellow water is fine. Fill up a glass full. The color is a ah. result of naturally occurring minerals. Yes, it's called urine. Mm -hmm. They dissolve in the water at the uh, the Howard Handsome Dam Reservoir. And uh, let's see. The discoloration will end the next time it rains. Uh-huh. Nothing to worry about. Whatever. No, of course. Public is in no danger at any time. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like Americans are starting to be as stupid as the French. So far, 49 people have died from the heat here. In America, 
What, like he, the, the, in the this America? Weeks, yeah. Our America? Our America. It angers America. <laughs> I bet it is. It angers America. 49 people have died here in the past two weeks from heat. Is this in the South? Yep. Yeah, well, there you go. 13 to Tennessee alone. Not that it's going to matter, really. <laughs> I mean, that's enough to tick the IQ up there about half a point, probably. Is this the I don't know where the shower is death? I, I mean, really, so. I understand not everybody has air conditioning, although it does seem to me you get in certain parts of the country and air conditioning isn't even an option. Like, it just comes with the house. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you go to Florida, I think, it's some of those places. In Phoenix, we had Susan Reynolds was just in Phoenix for a couple of days. Where it was 113 degrees. Oh, yeah, it looks like a, a spaceship on the roof of your house, those air conditioning. Yeah, there is no would you like air conditioning with the house. This is just, do I want to turn the air conditioning on or not? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, as yeah, Scotty was saying, every in Arizona, everything comes with air conditioning. So this is all through the south that this heat wave is sweeping? Yeah. Seriously, go get in the bathroom, for the love of God. All right. Uh, Oh, those uh, two uh, spanky middle school boys are off the hook. It's over. This happened in McMinnville, those two 13-year-olds. The girls, uh, there were four of them. They were listed as victims and asked that the charges be dropped. This from the girls themselves. The judge said he was satisfied the the boys were remorseful and would not repeat their same mistakes. The newspaper in McMinnville reported that a settlement calls for both boys to apologize. To pay each of the girls $250 for their services, for those, for those spankings. <laughs> Thanks for letting me touch your pelvic area. Here's a little something. 250 bucks. Buy yourself something shiny. Mm-hmm. Go to Things Remembered. <laughs> and complete a boundaries education program, whatever that is. Is that outward bound? I think that's where they teach you to tie people up. Uh, so uh, that's that. Gina Gershon teaches that class. I wonder how much money it costs the taxpayers to put through all this. I wonder. Uh, never mind. Never mind. I'm going to retract the statement I was about to make. So the lesson is, apparently, that you are allowed to touch the pelvic area of a girl for $250. But that $250, by the way, no, but that was only for their time. That was only for the time and companionship. What happened between them, that was a matter of personal choice. The kids are only paying for their time. All right. Uh, Let's just uh, do these couple of calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you, sir? Uh, Hanging in there. What's up? Uh, nothing. Hey, I was going to... Uh, okay, say that. why not call us? <laughs> why not call and spread that nothing along? Yes, sir? Hey, I've been on hold a while. Okay. Uh, very bad things. Oh, the movie. Oh, this is... Okay, well, yeah, we're finishing out the, the high concept topic. From last yeah. Very bad yeah. things, uh, directed by Peter Berg of Friday Night Lights fame. What a dark, creepy, great movie that is. Uh, yeah, I own it, and I never watch it. <laughs> the, um, you know, I saw it once in the theater, and I don't think I ever watched it again. Because, really, how many cocaine-snorting, like, hooker-dismembering movies do you really need to watch, and how many yeah, times? Yeah, and, and the ending is so horrific. I don't even remember what the ending was. What was the ending? Uh, it was the guy from uh, the Swingers. And Vince Vaughn, up, uh, yeah. No, no, the other Isn't guy. Vince Vaughn in it? No. Who am I thinking of? Is it John Favreau? Yes. Okay, John Favreau. And at the end, at the end, he's in a wheelchair, and uh, stuck with Cameron Diaz. Yeah. I don't even remember. And like that. the, with, like the, the like three legged dog is, or something. Cameron Diaz is just such a crazy person. Yeah. No. I, all I remember about that movie is her. Doesn't she die when her head hits the like coat peg on the door? Oh, uh, the hooker. Yeah. The, the hooker. hooker. That's what I mean. The hooker. She she dies when her head hits the. So they the, try to cut the, her up in little pieces and then bury her in the desert. Excellent. And then they all slowly, like, slowly start to become nuts about it. Yeah, good time. Yeah, they all just kill each other off. It's fantastic. The end. All right. <laughs> thank you, sir. Hey, right. thank you, Rick. Fantastic. There you go. Thank you. That's Sean. Final call uh, about the movies, uh, great movies you don't ever want to watch again. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. 
Okay, I got two of them for you. What's up? Number one is Boondock Saints when they when they did the double tap to the back of the head. And right. I had no eyeballs that scarred me for life. I swear <laughs> to God, the yes. first time I saw it. Okay. And then the second one is uh, the first time I saw Stephen King's It. And him walking down the stairs, all old and nasty and gross. Yeah. I was only like maybe, you know, 12, 13 years old, something like that. It was right when it first came out. It's a creepy and, movie. Tim Curry really sells the clown there. Oh, tell me about it. And then, hey, I also real quick wanted to comment on the, the skateboarding thing. Yes. The same thing actually happened to me about five years ago. I was being young, dumb, you know, whatever. And I was like eight seconds from death. I mean, literally, I, I, I should have died right then and there. And I wasn't going that fast either. It that does, is like, I mean, yeah, it does seem like the sort of thing that upon, you know, like a second run through in your head might not seem like the shrewdest way to spend an afternoon. Oh, tell me about it. And then the next three weeks in the hospital and a month in bed at home. Oh, what, did, what happened to you? What did you break? I had a hematoma. Oh, oh that's like a brain bleed, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I had to have uh, open brain surgery about oh about a half hour later, open, or I would have open brain surgery. That's a <laughs> oh, phrase yeah. you don't hear too often, but it does conjure up a nice image, doesn't it? Oh, oh, absolutely, and that's exactly how they put it: <laughs> was open brain surgery. Okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> no problem. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. A Portland, oh, a Portland policewoman responding to a report of a hostage situation uh, ended up with somebody getting shot. This happened in Southeast 125th and Stark. A uh, shot was fired through the apartment window after some guy wouldn't come out. It's like next door to Dennis's house. Oh, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, around 125th and Stark, that's not too far from where Dennis lives. Oh, jeez. He could live in a better neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get on that, Dennis. Talk to Scotty. <laughs> a dispatcher told police that there was a hostage situation and shots were being fired. This happened early this morning. The man surrendered sometime after the officer fired the shot and the woman in the apartment also came out. There was also a teenager there. And then the uh, CERT tactical squad was called out. Uh, the injuries are described as Band-Aid wounds. That's because they're not to anyone in particular. The woman had unspecified wounds. The team was uninjured. No names yet. But apparently a neighbor said they were a nice couple who moved in about a month ago. Very nice people. They were quiet and they quiet. Started, kept, started, kept to themselves. started an argument today and gunfire broke out. No. What can you do? Well, here's some good news. The government is going to send you money. Fantastic. Just sit there and wait for it. Okay. This is the Oregon Kicker Refund. Kicker? Mm-hmm. You're not going to kick this? Some to the curb, though. The median kicker refund will be $285, and the checks will be in your mail around Thanksgiving. So does everybody get this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sarah? Will Sarah be getting this? Sarah will be getting Well, it. I have to pay my taxes today, and it's almost exactly for that same amount. Why are your taxes so could I just... paid today? Listen listen to that. Listen to the arched eyebrow of the grown-up. Because they're bastards and I keep moving. And then they said that they sent me notices and I never did. And it's for that Multnomah County tax for oh, 2005. Yeah. It's very nearly September, Sarah. Shouldn't you have taken care of this in an expedient yeah, fashion? Yeah, That's totally yeah. the dad tone right there. You know, I can only, here's the only thing. The, the only reason that my taxes get paid on time is because I've got, a, I've got a tax person. That's it. I've got a woman who does my taxes for me. And that's the only reason. They're, and it makes me look phenomenally together. You know what I mean? Uh, just every, you know what, every February or whatever, I get that uh, I get that, the letter in the mail from her, and, and she comes by the house, and she does it all for me. That's it. So you're getting money. So that's a good thing. Fantastic. Do nothing. $285. Excellent. A hungry elk are ruining Oregon crops. Yes, it's true. They're making a meal out of farm crops. Uh, they don't know what to do about it. Uh, state Fish and Wildlife Biologists said it's not unusual for the state to allow hunting, though, outside the hunting season if these elk get out of hand and keep ruining things. Uh, they prefer to pre- prevent uh, such damage by harassing the animals rather than killing them. 
We have plenty of lush green fields in here, and that's what the elk like. Hey, by the way, speaking of the government being here to help you, mm-hmm. uh, I should note, I, I think I mentioned this on Friday, I got my passport. Uh, okay. My passport arrived with a terrible photograph, by the way. An off, better than my wife's, but still not good. Uh, I just look, and I hadn't washed my hair, and so I look all greasy and just, and I'm scowling. Yeah, and she made me take it like three different times because I was smiling the first two times, apparently, which is weird because I don't ever smile. So maybe it was some sort of subconscious effort to stick it to the man. So they had to take it three different times. It looks terrible. Um, but it's amazing. It's amazing how the government can be efficient when they want to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when they're, I don't know, arresting a grandmother who's smoking medicinal marijuana or something. When the government really wants to be efficient, they can't. Because everybody on the show, everybody in the audience, one person after another, they had told me horror stories about how I would never get the passport in time. Um, because I, I, I only ordered it two weeks ago. Um, and everybody was like, no, you'll never get it in time. And they said, when are you leaving? And I said, like the second week of September. And they said, you'll never get it. It'll never be here. It's going to be a five-month delay. It's amazing how when you sign a separate check to the government asking them to speed it up, uh, that they can get they can get their asses in gear. So less than two weeks it took me to get my passport. So uh, so there you go. So the, the key is just a little bit of graft. If you cross the right palm with the right amount of silver, they can be amazingly with it. Uh, here's Tim Riley. A 23-year-old Serbian man was found dead and half-eaten in the bear cage uh. at the Belgrade Zoo over the weekend during the uh. annual beer festival. The man was found naked, clothes lying about. Two adult bears named Masha and Misha had dragged his body to the feeding corner oh, and oh. reacted angrily when zookeepers tried to recover it. Daddy, I don't want to be dragged to the feeding corner. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a good chance he was intoxicated. <laughs> Only an idiot would jump into a bear cage. <laughs> really? That is true. I keep picturing, what's his name? The, the, the dog. Ron, I've come to save you. <laughs> They also found several uh, cell phones inside the cage. Oh, oh, and you know why that's creepy? Because that means he wasn't the first. That means there been, I'm scratching myself, that means there's been several eaten before him. There were no bars inside the bear cage. Maybe he thought it was a... Maybe he thought he was attending a bear festival, not a beer festival. Oh, that could be. Nah. There are plenty of brick stones and beer cans there, too. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, the Oregon State Police say a driver shot himself after being pulled over for speeding. Uh, Sergeant Patterson uh, last night pulled over a Honda Civic driven by Derek Dorado of Woodburn. The 30-year-old motorist stayed in the car and placed a gun to his head, and ba-boom. The uh, police officer heard a gunshot. I like it as you describe it like it's a Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Kazawi. Uh, he was driving with a suspended license and had no other warrants, and that's no reason to shoot yourself, really. Uh, meanwhile, firefighters needed a crane to winch a woman from her home after she fell. She suffered several fractures when she tripped in her bedroom and was unable to get up because of her weight. This is I was just going to say, this is another 900-pound woman, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Uh, the paramedics struggled for two hours to carry her downstairs after giving up and calling for extra help. The fire crew strapped her to a stretcher but needed a crane to haul the woman out of an upstairs window. They struggled to put ropes and winch her to safety. Uh. It took uh, two hours to free her. See how much does it say how much she weighed? It doesn't know. Uh, all right. Uh, see, it was a bizarre spectacle, say sub. Out of Florida comes word. Wait, it. wait, out of where? Florida. One big God damn it. Oh, that's me. In your face. Totally. I reorganized my buttons. Uh, you weren't. Oh, that's the other thing, Tim. So you were gone on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Friday was yet another day where our sound effects weren't working. So it was really the best day ever. Everything seems to be working. Everything does seem to be back to normal. If only I could find where I'd put any. No, I know that. Oh, that. by the way, I made this. Is your volume really low? Because I have you all the way up over here. Let me here. see. I think I might have turned it down. Let's see if I can uh, with the. There we go. Oh, this is my new cell phone ring, by the way. 
No, it's it not. Is. You don't believe me? I'll go get my phone. Turn the break. I'll go I get my bl- phone. Okay. Okay. Hey, here's Tim Riley. Uh, police who launched a gun, a gum, a gun amnesty in Florida. Gum amnesty. <laughs> gum amnesty. Is that either for is that for people with no teeth or that, people who are busy chewing? Something? That is correct. They were shocked when a man handed in a surface-to-air rocket launcher. Uh-uh. Under the Kicks for Guns program, anyone who handed in a weapon was given a pair of sneakers. One man who was not identified took advantage by exchanging a four-foot-long launcher for a pair of Reeboks. The owner said, "Reeboks, not yeah. even for Nikes, but for Reebok. Where is this, Florida? Florida, yeah. Is it still 1989 in Florida? I guess so. Sarah, do people still wear Reeboks? I mean, people that aren't retarded. I think like maybe the older people do. You mean my age?" I mean, I, feel like my mom's age. I think my mom has a pair of Reeboks. Really? I thought Reeboks just went away. I think I they d- still sell them like Sears. And I didn't even know they still at the, they sell them at Gen X clothing. I didn't even know they still existed. I thought it was all uh, just Nike these days. All right. Well, whatever. Where was I? I don't know. Reeboks, Florida, oh. rocket launcher. The owner said he found the weapon in the shed that he was tearing down. He said he didn't know what to do with it, so he brought it here. Huh. It, he uh, he took it to three dumps to try to get rid of it, and they told him to get lost. They would have accepted it at the St. John's dump. As well as a launcher, the police corrected uh, more than 250 guns. And we he- should do a guns for something program here. Guns for concert tickets. Guns for... What can we give people in exchange for guns? Oh, so they give us guns? Uh-huh. Ooh. <laughs> That's a great noise. Um, so we should do some sort of guns ex- Guns for Twinkies. No, what can, we, uh, what can we give out to people? What do people want? People want guns. We, <gasps> guns we should for give guns? Guns for guns. We should talk about <laughs> <better> guns. <laughs> No, wait, you know what we should do? We should actually offer guns if other people bring us concert tickets, because we, we have nothing to give away most of the time. We should actually do a guns for concert tickets giveaway. That's excellent. Guns. Uh, Richie, you want to get busy on that? Richie, be first hey, good, good on you, Tim. Let's uh, take this moment to welcome to the CBS Radio Portland family, Richie Bristol, who is joining us now. Where employees are treated like family. That is true. Where and we're just swapping employees back and forth with them, aren't we? Uh, so I'll no, give no. you one, they're, Jeff. They're, they're going in one direction. I was just going to say, I don't know that anybody's really swapping employees with Intercom. That would imply that Intercom is hiring people who aren't Jeff McGinley. Um, I think in the engineering department, you have to maintain that automation system somehow. So I think we have a new engineer, too. Yeah, we, we I sure think we do. do. Yeah. I mean, I really, it's... Yet, though. I, really, the number of uh, the number of electronic voices that speak to you out of the uh, out of the intercom building, really, pretty soon that building's going to be nothing but engineers. I mean, really, honestly, uh, the I will tell you this right now: if you're listening to an intercom radio station, and clearly you're not, if you're listening to me, uh, the odds are about one in five that you're hearing a live human voice, maybe. And even, and I will say this, and this is all I'll say: that even if you're listening to someone who sounds like he's live, probably not, probably not, probably pre-recorded. Probably recorded 15 minutes earlier, over and over, again and again, editing out every tiny little mistake, of which there are thousands. And then perhaps your performance might be put up against the person who edits all of their breaths and mistakes out, ah. and then they wonder why you can't make your broadcast as flawless as the other person. It's bizarre. It is. <laughs> anyway, so Richie Bristol, uh, we want to welcome him now to CBS Radio Portland, where we do employ more than one full-time promotions person. All right. There's uh, a room full of them back there. Yeah, Man, you're right. not in a good mood. <laughs> I'm in a fine mood. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a fantastic so mood. That, so Jesse doesn't work there anymore? Uh, Jesse Harbison? Yeah. No, I think, well, I don't know. I don't think so. Because she was in all the promotions. So I, I know she left. Remember, she left when we were still there. Mm. <laughs> well, I was still there anyway. <laughs> um, no, I think while we were still there, she left. But, you know, I, I just, I remember uh, someone told me. Mm. 
uh, that there was a there was a single full-time promotions person there, and then just a whole bunch of, like, interns working for free. They could vacate that building and fit, put them all in a jack-in-the-box. Oh, they will be vacating that building. Uh, I'm sorry, was that out loud? I, uh, Tom, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, I'm just wondering, the, the parents of the Vancouver uh, skateboarder kids, yes. how long until they sue the makers of the 1989 really horrible movie called Gleaming the Cube? Where Christian Slater's holding onto the back of a Corvette while he's riding the skateboard. And also, and the guys with like the 75 miles an hour. And also, and also, Back to the Future. So I noted, didn't that? Doesn't Marty McFly do that in Back to the Future, where he, oh, he uses yeah. the truck to round the corner? That was his hoverboard. He does. But well, you know, he does it because they set it up in the beginning of Back to the Future. They show him grabbing. That's how he gets to school. He rounds a corner, uses the momentum of the truck and the skateboard, which is then paid off in the future. When he does it in the uh, or in the past, rather he does it in the past on the skateboard, and then I think later in part two he does it in the future on a hoverboard. I think they use that joke multiple times, but I'm pretty sure they set that up in the opening credit sequence of Back to the Future. And gleaming the cube re- points on the gleaming the cube reference, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. There you go. I loved gleaming the cube. It's I, so dumb. I tried to use a, a clip from gleaming the cube the other day, but it didn't really work. Uh, guns for porn. That's a great idea. Well done. Wait, they. We give them porn, they give us guns? Uh, either. I'm happy. It works out well for us either way. They're yep. the same thing. <laughs> really, that's true. Oh, uh, now see. Now, why would you... See, now he's gone too far. I'm reading the email, and I can't read the rest of it on the air. All right. 503-733-2970. We should break here. When we come back, more exciting news. Isn't that right, Tim? Oh, yes. We have a snuff watch. Fantastic. And it is fantastic, by the way. She had it coming. Yeah. Uh, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Goddard from the Oregonian, Peter Carlin, and the Top 5. Tim Riley returns after this. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Have you heard this, um, this terrible... Well, first of all, is there anybody who's a fan of Joss Stone? Does anyone really like her? No. No. I didn't think so. So Joss Stone, I'm not going to play it now. i got to find that I, 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 made the, I made the mistake of not like flagging it. I didn't bookmark it uh, when I saw it yesterday. So i gotta, I got to track it down. This is the worst song. It's terrible. Well, and there have been many nasty rumors surrounding her. How she basically just slept with everybody at every record company she's worked with. To well get her done. Records. Good for her. Good for her. No, seriously, that's I, the way business is done in this country. I don't, I don't hold that against. I don't hold that against anybody. I mean, that's a perfectly fine way to. Uh, that's a perfectly fine way to get the hosting rights for the Super Bowl halftime show. Here's Tim Riley. Or the Emmy Awards. So I don't know what to make of that. I don't even know who we're talking about now. I'm sorry. Let's just move on. Yes, let's just move. On. <laughs> So what is this about this upcoming U.S. Joint Forces Command Emergency Management Exercise known as Noble Resolve? This, according to some of these bloggers, and who knows if they're right Blogger. Yeah, okay, so this is, so on Friday, mm-hmm. we had heard some whispering, as Andrew Vox would say. We had heard about this in the whisper stream. Uh, and then we just flat out, because I think Storm, of all people, had brought it up. She called and she's like, are they going to be testing a dirty bomb simulation thing? And, and we, I mentioned it, and immediately... Phones lit up, email came in. It's like everybody seems to know about it but us. 
And so the rumor is, and again, that's because I wasn't working. That's because you were not here to get on the case. That is, as is always, as is always the case when you were not here. News gathering stops. Um, I think Scotty did a respectable job. Would you like to hear? uh, Would you like to hear? We'll play one of them here in a minute. But uh, let me. We've got this, Rick. I on Friday. Oh, I'm sorry. uh, I had something here about Scotty's news. Um, Somebody had somebody had analyzed uh, Scotty's news delivery. Scotty did a, uh, Scotty J did a great job with the news in the afternoon of Friday. He had that little something extra, and by something extra, Rick, I mean that in the background of his news segments, you could plainly hear your show going. Did he record his news two feet away from you in the same <laughs> studio? It was fantastic. Do you have a uh, Do you have one of those? No. Uh, what are they called, Tim? What's the uh, file name for Scotty J's news? A Tim R one. Do you have A Tim one? A Tim R one. This is for Scotty J's news. Uh, for which he was uh, he was filling in. R1? A-Tim R1. Okay, got it. All right, let's go ahead and uh, play a little bit. This is a little bit of Scotty J filling in for Tim on uh, on Friday. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news with Tim Riley. Hello again from the CBS News Center in downtown Portland. I'm Scotty J in for Tim Riley. In Huntington, Utah, the underground rescue operation to find six missing miners in the Crandall Canyon mine has ceased. Ah, That's the word from Mine Safety and Okay, Health and if you listen to the background, you can clearly hear Richard our show. Stickler, who says the decision was made after the deaths of three workers last night in a mine cave-in. <laughs> in Los Angeles, California, two jetliners nearly collided at the airport on Thursday. FAA spokesperson Ian Greger says that a Boeing 737 yes. had just I, I know landed around cool. 1 o'clock in the <laughs> Scotty, please come to the studio. I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, I wish I knew how to mute you. Please let me. Good morning, Metolia. Welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Scotty J, who filled in for Tim. First of all, I applaud you on having an edit in the first sentence. I yeah. got like three words in there, and there was uh-uh. a... Uh, Scotty J. I wasn't feeling very good on Friday, so I used the, hey, this is Scotty J from a prior recording, because I, I just didn't have it in me to go, hey. I would hey it would have sounded like this. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I didn't know this. Let's stop. Are you telling me that not only did you edit, after I was just making fun of the people at Intercom for doing this, are you telling me that not only did you edit your news together to sound like you were recording it live, the, hi, this is Scotty J, is actually from when? Like couple months ago that's actually when hey, i actually scotty, was happy can you play that one more time mm-hmm. so the hey scotty j that we're going to hear in all three of them is actually from months ago let's hear this and now from the cbs radio center in downtown portland this is the news with tim riley hello again from the cbs news center in downtown portland i'm scotty j in for tim riley in huntington utah See, the underground yeah. so that so that opening sentence is from like july oh. Uh, a couple, I think it's been a couple months since I. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> well, well done. How to make yourself sound happy. You actually happy. had two months to practice delivering that one line, and you couldn't do it. Oh, it, it, it would have been painful on Friday. Yes, it is hard to talk for a living, isn't it, Scotty? <laughs> I'm sure that everybody out there is like laying bricks. They feel your pain. I'm sure some guy out there who's busy unloading UPS trucks in the rain really feels badly for you. And the first time around when I edited that one, you just heard... Actually, the the second one, ATM2, is better, but first time why, around... Why when is I, the show blaring in the background? I think either... The, the pot was up on the board, just enough. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I turned up the mic in there, so I... Because last time I you, did this, it yeah. was too low, so this time I just cranked up the mic. I don't know if that's part of it or not, but... Would you I, I, have the show playing in the background? 
Was it during the show? Well, yeah, he that, recorded it during the, the show. He had to have because yeah, the, I can hear it playing in the background. The yeah. first one is your show. Second one is Tom Likas in the background. Okay, but, but here's the deal. I uh-huh. actually heard this when I was editing, and I'm like, you know what? I'm you like, know what? I'll leave it I in. I think I'll leave that in there because it sounds like I'm busy in the newsroom. It's, it sounds you know. like I recorded this hours ago in a badly insulated room. You decided you were going to leave it in for ambience, really? It did kind of make kind of a newsroomy ambience, if you can't tell what. Or being made it said sound like there. your radio was between stations. There's also that. <laughs> you should have put a little Mexican fiesta music in the background. So but, I was just glad to accomplish it and get it done. I guess my question is, where was that sound coming from, though? It was coming out of the board. Yeah. You just had the show potted up. Yeah. See, when I'm when I'm recording in there, I don't have my headphones in there, so I just oh, that's cut what the it. headphones oh, are for. Scotty, really? What do you think the headphones are for? <laughs> they are in fact They're so for you Dennis. can hear yourself. And hear They're it. for Dennis Pitzenbarger. They are they are in fact so you can hear what you are saying and what's happening. <laughs> okay, well we I learned a lesson. Take off but your I, headphones for a second, please. I, because I, if you don't because if you don't have your headphones on, Scotty, there's no way to know what could be happening. <laughs> that, that's true. You don't know what's going on in the background. No. People could be saying that? something about you. You have, you have no idea. You have no idea what could be happening in the background of your speaking. You're right. Are you hungover today? No, I feel... I mean, I have more energy today than ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Played a little golf on Saturday. Yeah. You know, for all you know, we could have just turned your microphone off. You'd have no idea. Is it? Did you do that? <laughs> I don't know. You have, you don't know because your headphones are off. <laughs> well, maybe I'll put them back on. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. Well done. All right. Thank you, Scotty. <laughs> well done. Oh. Uh, good times. Well, anywho, so there you go. That was Scotty's. Okay, so you were not here on Friday. No. So, so obviously the, the pot... Was up. Yeah. To listen to the show. If only he'd had some way, some magical device that would allow him to hear his own voice while he speaks. Um, so it, clearly, Scotty is not going to be out there in the forefront of news gathering. So we had all of these calls and emails, people saying, hey, I work. And it was a lot of like, hey, I work at OHSU. There's been this internal email saying to brace for this, again, simulated, 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 mm-hmm. to brace for this simulated disaster, dirty bomb explosion mm-hmm. is what we keep hearing. And we keep hearing it is a simulated dirty bomb explosion by the Mission Theater. And that everybody Are they the sponsor of... The okay. dirty, bomb. <laughs> dirty bomb explosion brought to you by Court and Fat Boys Midnight Movie. At the, uh, brought to you by Firefly at the Mission Theater. Um, so, but but it's one of those things. I'm not saying that it's like conspiracy nonsense, mm-hmm. but I'm saying like no, like no one seems to know definitively. Everybody claims they well, have no the answer. No one's been able to tell us that no, it's absolutely not happening. Yeah. Everyone seems to be going on the other side saying yes, I heard something about this too. And yet everybody has a slightly different version of what they claim is going to happen. Somebody said it was in October. I got one that said no, it's definitively sometime in the first week of October. So what do you have? Taylor? I have August 20th through August 24th. It's like a festival. It's like a hope get your tickets now. It's bomb fest. So, well, the weird thing about this is the cover story that goes with this seems to be a little bit old because Vice President Cheney, Homeland Security Director Michael Chertoff, and former Senator Rick Santorum, I mean, why would he be warning him? <laughs> well, you know, what, what else is he going to be doing? Oh, that's true. <laughs> Not going to work. <laughs> These predictions are based on gut feelings. See, so I don't even know who we call at the city to ask about this. And I don't even know what we ask them once we got them on the phone. How about Diane from downtown? 
Uh, that maybe no. Off the record, I think she could probably, well, it would be wrong of me to ask her or any of her coworkers who also work for Multnomah County. Mm. It would be wrong of Perhaps me to Perhaps someone could anonymously email you. That is a good point. Uh, Scotty, of course, is on me to ask Dan Saltzman about it. Uh, do you suppose he's high enough up the ladder that they put him in the loop with these things? Yes. All right. Hey, Scotty, we should call Dan Saltzman's office. Ask if they're going to be simulating a terrorist activity in the near future in Portland. All right. Thank and you. if we could be a co-sponsor. Yeah, ask, ask, ask if we can be the presents for that. And if we, ask if there are ticket gives to go. Send Richie to tape up some of those banners. <laughs> Seriously, Richie Bristol's, Richie Bristol's first day on the job. Now, there's going to be a dirty bomb explosion. Now, we need you to banner this and to be giving out stickers. Thank you so much. Here's some chic razors to give away. Ah, oh, fantastic. All right, well, more on, more on this simulated explosion as it happens. Right. So that's from uh, Dick Cheney, apparently. Sure. Sure it is. And uh, go after yourself. Do you think that the U.S. or U.N. forces should have moved into Baghdad? No. Why not? Because if we'd gone to Baghdad, we would have been all alone. There wouldn't have been anybody else with us. It would have been a U.S. occupation of Iraq. None of the Arab forces that were willing to fight with us in Kuwait were willing to invade Iraq. Uh, once you got to Iraq and took it over and took down Saddam Hussein's government, then what are you going to put in its place? That's a very volatile part of the world, and, and if you take down the central government in Iraq, you can easily end up seeing pieces of Iraq fly off. Uh, part of it uh, the Syrians would like to have to the west. Uh, part of eastern Iraq uh, the Iranians would like to claim, fought over for eight years. Uh, in the north, you've got the Kurds, and if the Kurds spin loose and join with the Kurds in Turkey, then you threaten the territorial integrity of Turkey. It's a, it's a quagmire if you go that far and try to take <laughs> over Iraq. The other thing was casualties. Uh, everyone was impressed with the fact that uh, we were able to do our job with as few casualties as we had. But for the 146 Americans killed in action, and for their families, it wasn't a cheap war. And the question for the president, in terms of whether or not we went on to Baghdad and took additional casualties in an effort to get Saddam Hussein, was how many additional dead Americans is Saddam worth? And our judgment was uh, not very many, and I think we got it right. But, Tim, that's he just is the body double. Liberal propaganda. It is. It's got to be stuck. That's liberal spin, Tim, and I won't have it on this show. Um, okay, Scotty has typed on the screen, called top off. What does that mean? I don't know. C-A-L-L-E-D-T-O-P-O-F-F. Called top off. That's just a sentence fragment. That's not even a statement. All right. I'll wait. I'll wait until the... Uh, Did it say... I don't know. That's all he typed on the screen. Called top off. No, top off. No, called top off. That's what he said. T o p o f f. That's what Scotty is typed on the screen. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Oh, by the way, someone, uh, Sarah, do you want to call my phone? Hold on. Let me let me get this on ring, and then we'll uh, resume the news. But I, you mentioned this. I uh, this is my new ringtone. This is uh, I put this I put this together on my computer last night, and I. Uh, I loaded this on. So when you call my phone rings now, this is what rings. Scotty, quit. Stop that. Don't touch the phone. All right, Scotty, I'm using the hotline. Jesus. And you do have a cell phone, by the way, but okay. All right. You're one of the only phone numbers I know by heart. Gripping radio. All right, here's my phone. Really? The Wilhelm, too. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> so it's the Dean Helm. I actually blended the, the Dean and the Wilhelm together into the Dean Helm. That is my new cell phone. How much time do you have on your hands? Lots. Here's Tim Riley. 
Time for a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch for uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. The Queen of Meat has died. <laughs> queen, <laughs> queen of Mean. Oh, the Queen of Mean has died. Queen of Meat. That's uh, Nina Hartley. Uh, New York City Hotel and real estate mogul Leona Helmsley passed away this morning at the age of 87. I don't want, I don't New want to think about in tears. Leona Helmsley being the Queen of Meat. <laughs> Come give me some sweet love. She was branded with that, that distinction branded. back in the 80s during her tax evasion trial after a disgruntled worker claimed Helmsley said... We don't pay taxes, only the little people do. Publicist uh, Howard Rubenstein worked with this woman for 35 years and claims he never knew her to be mean. I know the charitable side of Leona. She gave tens of millions, she and her husband Harry, tens of millions to hospitals uh, for research and construction of new facilities. Um, She was uh, a remarkable charity giver. It's time to let bygones be bygones. I'm hoping that uh, some of the negative things that she experienced um, will be forgotten and forgiven, uh-huh. and no. they'll look about the good that she has good. brought to our country. Could speak more slowly if you possibly could. Try to be more tedious. How about that photograph you found of her? You know what she looks like? That photograph you said, it, she looks like Joe Pesci impersonating Jack Nicholson doing the Joker. Mm-hmm. That's exact. That photograph you sent me is the worst yeah, photograph. Yeah, it's on Perez Hilton. Yeah, it's terrible. Did you see that photo? It's the worst. It's like... Which at, photo is it? Of Leona Helmsley impersonating... And it's like her lipstick is just one as, done as one big scrawled straight line. It's the worst so photo. So why is she such a terrible person? Because uh, she apparently engaged in a lot of like corrupt business activities, didn't pay taxes. And when she got nailed for it, her famous statement was, only the little people pay taxes. Ooh, I don't like her. No, she's an awful person. She has hair like Jay Leno. Yeah, no, and, and just a big jagged... Uh, I was going to say a big jagged gash for her face, but you know what I mean. Just a big, it's like someone just carved a smile into her face, but it was just like a straight red line right across. Uh, all right. She and never liked the title Queen of Meat. Well, I didn't agree with Me. it. Um, I think I'm beyond that now. I did not find her. I her? found her the no. queen of the palace. The queen of the phallus? She, she really was the queen of meat. Uh, Rubenstein says New Yorkers should remember the positive. She left an indelible mark on New York. Um, uh, with the buildings that she helped develop and with the charities and um, hospital institutions uh, that she helped build. Let it go, he says. It's time to let bygones be bygones about the negativism uh, that was he Nattering nabobs. All right. Uh, by the way, Rick, this says, I work for Legacy Health System, and this is happening. It is called the Top-Off National Disaster Drill. Uh, let's see. And then we have somebody else. This is a city employee uh, who uh, requests that we not use their name. Says, uh, don't say my name. The exercise is called Top Off. Here is a cut, copied, and pasted email that I received. So this person has cut, copied, and pasted the email that this person received. Will you forward it to us? I will indeed. Top Off is a congressionally mandated federal exercise running from October. See, this again says October. From October 15th to the 23rd. It exercises first responder capabilities at the scene of a disaster. Uh, incident locations are in three places, Guam, Phoenix, and Portland. Um, I pick Guam. Can we vote? 
This year's scenario is, wait for it, here we go. This year's scenario is the detonation of a dirty bomb. The exercise will involve all elements of the response community, including fire, law, emergency, 911, public health, hospitals, the media. So you think they'd like to clue us in at some point about this. Do you suppose there's going to be a meeting at some point? Oh, where totally. Am I going to get taken into some room at CBS? Now, look, uh, you're going to, supposed to get on, get on the air and scream that a dirty bomb has gone off. And this is happening in early October, so they say? Well, this cut-and-pasted email, which I know who this person is, and it's... Uh, we should say for the record, it's not uh, anybody that we have mentioned on the air today. Um, this, I know who this person is, and this does. Is it a male or a female? I, I'm not going to say, but I will say we haven't we haven't mentioned. Yeah, this person's name. Um, I have no reason to believe that this is that this is not real. If it's the person that I just mouthed to you, yeah, that, it very... is that. It's yeah. that person. Yes. Um, what is being evaluated? Emergency response plans, blah, 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 including those for mass casualties from radiation and explosions. This is this is really Jeez. fantastic. Man, that's wonderful. Um, will well, this, this be is... a day called X? <laughs> <laughs> Top off. Now showing at the Ross Island Grocery. Sponsored by Jiggles. <laughs> Let me explode for you. <laughs> um... So there you go. So from October 15th to 23rd, one week Why only, friends. Why are they changing this? <laughs> I don't know. Every time I get something to look forward and, to, they move it up. And see, all, everybody else has been telling us that it's happening like this week. Didn't somebody just say August 20th? Yeah, 20th and 24th. I think they're trying to trick us. This email says October 15th to the 23rd. Oh, good. At least it's after my birthday. Well, that is if this, uh, if, I mean, I'm, I know that this email is legitimate. In other words, I know it's the email this person got, but who knows? Maybe the email itself is part of disinformation. Maybe they are trying to obfuscate the knowledge of when the actual date is. So Scotty's all hurt, but I guess he was right then when he wrote you the top-off thing. Well, but, I okay, I understand that, but I, do you see how completely devoid of any context, just putting the words top-off on the screen doesn't mean anything? I mean, really, it could mean that you're going to get gas, Scotty. All right, here's Tim Riley. Was that the end of the snuff watch? Oh, I'm sorry. And Leona Helms, she's the queen of meat, and she's dead. And yes, to the person who sent us that, no, we will not mention your name. That is, uh, no, 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 we will not be mentioning the name of the person uh, who, who sent that to us. Mm -hmm. uh, here we go. Okay, this one says October 15th to 24th, not the 23rd. So no one even knows when this is happening. That's just freaky. And the fact that they say that they're doing it uh, to, um, to, to uh, test things, including media response. Oh, listen to this. Listen to this. Um, oh, okay. It's, they're clarifying whether or not real weapons will be used in this. So apparently the, the dirty bomb will not be real. So there you go. Um it's just unnerving. The exercise engages participants at all levels of the government, from cabinet secretaries to governors, mayors, and city managers. Cool. To, uh, and then uh, blah, 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 media. That's all creepy. All right. Well, more information on this creepy thing as it becomes available. Don't leave us out of it. They will. They're, they're, they're clearly not. I mean, they haven't mentioned it to me. I mean, and we, we are theoretically. Or have they? No. Um, no. Manchuria. All right. Here's Tim Riley. So first it was Merv Griffin, and then it was the Queen of Meat, and third, well, it seems the Reverend Billy Graham has been rushed to a hospital in North Carolina. Uh, he's doing well. He's already dead. He's doing well. Dead. But he's having some intestinal bleeding. It's not bleeding on its own. 
and he's recovering well. He's alert and visiting with family members who are there. And they're just keeping him for observation and rest. And he's expected to go home pretty soon. Yeah, he's, he's joking with the staff. This just in from Alpha Centauri. Yes, yeah, seriously. I, uh, yeah, so he's bleeding from the intestines? Yes. Yeah, he's dead. He's already dead. They just haven't. They're not going to reveal that yet. They're going to wait. They're wait to wait until uh, like Friday night so they can control the spin cycle on that. He would be the third one. All right. Now, police in Vacaville, California, warning residents here about a new scam. After a local man was arrested trying to sell widescreen TVs that turned out to be nothing more than used oven doors. <laughs> That is wonderful. That's the best. That's the best scam of the month. Better than shower curtain rings. Oh, that's great. Why does it say? Uh, why does it say a mana on the front? Well, that's uh, they're they're expanding. Uh, police are alerted when a woman called police to report a man tried to sell her a flat screen television in the parking lot of a discount store. He promised the deal of the century. How much was he selling it for? Uh, police spotted the car on the interstate and stopped the man when officers unwrapped two shrink rack rectangular objects, which appeared to be flat screen television with price tags at first. The front doors of the objects had a tinted piece of plastic that resembled a television screen, but it used oven doors. <laughs> they also uh, found uh, two boxes that were labeled as if they contained laptop computers, but instead contained 11 inch floor tiles. <laughs> Imagine being dumb enough that you would confuse a floor tile with a computer. That really is get it's a new flat screen. <laughs> That's like a Flintstones flat screen. It's the newest Mac. <laughs> Seriously, the iRock. Uh, there you go. Fantastic. Oh, you know, terrible things are uh, going on in Oklahoma. Oh, yes. A Fort Cobb woman drowned while uh, hiding in a root cellar. He's uh, one of six people who lost their lives Jesus. in Oklahoma. Why? She what? She was hiding under a root but cellar. from what? Uh, the rain. Oh, that's not the rain. I thought you meant hiding like she was playing hide-and-seek and decided to hide under the water. No, the no. root cellars are small. All right. Uh, it'll take at least a couple of weeks before things get back to normal, says Kingfish County Sheriff uh, Dennis Banther. I would say it's going to be probably several weeks. Uh, but as for actual cleanup, uh, just history here in Kingfisher. Most people in the next week or two will get the residences cleaned and uh, back to where they're at. Like missiles livable. being fired in Kingfisher. Uh, you need to get a tetanus shot. Uh, this flood water is actually going to have raw sewage in it that uh. is leaked out of the manholes, out of the sewer lines, and is actually mixed in with it, so it's very dangerous. Uh, it's always good to go ahead and get another tetanus shot. I don't want well, to. Well, did you see the helicopter footage yesterday? No. It's, it's nothing funny, Mike. Oh. It's not supposed to be. No. So they swoop down this helicopter, and these two guys grab this man by his pants. Well, apparently the pants were so wet that the man tore through his pants oh. and fell back into the water. Oh, so so now, they're left holding his pants. So now you see this guy in a union suit. Now you're drowning and you're nude. Yeah. And it's on television. And it's on television. Worst day of your life ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Uh, let's see. This is a good question. Rick, how can you test for an emergency if you let everyone know when an event is going to happen? That's like testing for a surprise party by scheduling it and letting the person with the birthday know exactly when and where it's going to take place. That really is a good question. I mean, seriously, how I'm not disputing the government's need to maybe test for these things in advance. But honestly, how is it? Well, usually there's an envelope taped to the wall that you're not supposed to open. Really? Until there is an actual emergency. I don't have one of those yet. Well, no, have I told you we have those once a year here? 
I do? In the department head meetings. Um, oh, you open up the envelope? I, I, literally, there is a red envelope. We just did it about three months ago. It's just in the department head meeting, and it's like the PDs for each station, and then like the GM and the engineer and whoever. The head of each department sits there, and literally, it is the guy who is the director of engineering mm-hmm. for the whole company. Comes and he sits down, and it is a disaster preparedness drill. And he literally takes out an envelope, tears it open, pulls it out, and reads a disaster scenario, and you are supposed to tell him exactly what you would do as though that had just happened. Uh, This year, I think I mentioned this actually, this year, a couple months ago, this year he opens the envelope, pulls it out, and it says like, there is a leak of, you know, ammonia gas that is pouring into the building from a tanker truck in the street. What do you do? Send Scotty to fix it. That was exactly what I said. Mm -hmm. Last year, it was like, you know, he opens it, he said, you have just opened an envelope and covered in mysterious white powder that has come out. So, it's, they do Get that. Every, laundry. I kept pushing for fire ants as the disaster, but no one ever listens to me when I suggest these things. Um, we should break, probably, so we have Lisa Goddard coming up. Uh, um, Tim Riley, have ye more news in the future? Oh, yes, it's seemingly endless. It's news-rific. Uh, let's see, it's a newsist colony here at the Rick Emerson Show. Later on, I'm sorry, that wasn't funny. Uh, and we'll try to get a hold of Dan Saltzman about this dirty bump business. We'll uh, get some phone calls here. Somebody says they have good news for us. What else? Uh, later on, we'll hunt for the second worst story ever. Peter Carlin and uh, the top five. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. I'm all distracted by the Star Trek story here. Well, we'll do this as a geek watch later. I guess it's really old. Where was I when this happened? All right. Well, we got checkoff news about Star Trek. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. What's well, uh, coming up later on? CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard in just a moment. Uh, we'll talk to Peter Carlin from the Oregonian in a skosh. Second worst story ever. Top five. Uh, a little scary G uh, coming up here. Oh, we got to talk about my uh, my England thing as well. Oh, and if I have time, if I have time, uh, we will talk about this this terrible. G- I can't believe I'm actually going to spend uh, spend any amount of this program's time talking about Josh Stone. But you really have to hear this song. Uh, that was on uh, Yahoo over the weekend. It was just unbelievably bad. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, the one and only Lisa Goddard. Why, hello, and how are you on this fine Monday? Hello to you guys. How are you? I'm dandy. I'm kind of finishing a cup of coffee, so if you hear the loud, like, obnoxious slurping noises, that's what it is. <laughs> hello, okay, are, I'm down are, with that. How are things? How's life? Good, good. You sound distant. I sound discontented? Dis- no, distant and I'm, muffled. Oh, I was off mic there for a second. I uh, Do I sound distant now? Mm, a little bit. Interesting. It, um, might, it, 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 could, it could be me. Maybe. It's I might not, need to swab. It's not... That's disgusting. I, uh, it's not me. Maybe it's you. I don't... Uh, you mean your ears or the phone? 
Both, potentially. Okay, fantastic. Hey, well, you know, I'm, I'm an honest woman. No, no, no. We I like, keep things clean. We like the fact that you, sp- you speak with us in a frank and upfront manner. I do. I'm, 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 I like to be hygienic. Well, so let's, uh, well, especially where, now let me ask you this. Now, are you talking to us right now from the, 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 the that little, like a cubbyhole, the CNN room at the Capitol? Yes, the CNN closet, if you would. Yeah. So, the, I mean, so is it like a radio station where you're basically in a room that has the germs of 10,000 other people in it all the time? <laughs> No, it pretty much just has my germs. It's really, I've, I've got a key, really, nobody else comes in here except the, you know, maybe overnight folks might, you know, change my trash can. Now, where does it, now, when we speak to Bob Costantini, where is it that he speaks from? Now, that could be a number of possibilities. Well, the number is two, actually. He could be here in this booth at the Capitol or at the D.C. Bureau where we have a much larger radio, uh, I don't know, a, hu- a huge office with a giant fishbowl-like round glass where, Tours go by, and most people at CNN don't know who we are, and they just kind of point at us. Hey, no, you know, really, we've been here in this building. We've been here at CBS for uh, going on uh, two years now, and still most people don't know who we are. Right. We walk through, and people sort of, are you lost? Are you, um, are, did, you, <laughs> did, you, did you win concert tickets or something? You need to go to the front desk for that, and we have to explain <laughs> that we actually are employed here. So don't feel bad. And, and you, here's another reason why you need to feel bad. Here's probably something that doesn't happen to you as it does to Tim Riley at our news department nearly every single Monday. You don't ever go into your booth and find Find it covered with grease and the assembled dust of a thousand powdered sugar donuts. No, I don't. No, I don't. That happens here on a weekly basis, so you know <laughs> it's all relative. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, it, and, and I know this isn't technically what you're talking about today, but we uh, we saw that Carl Rove has been doing what did he, did he do the round of the Sunday morning chat shows, as they're called. He did, and I think the summary is. Uh, he, he he definitely does think that Hillary Clinton has so many you know tremendous historic levels of negatives, but he's stopping short of of saying much else about her. He's not saying that she's the you know the Republicans' favorite candidate or least favorite candidate. He doesn't want to give them that much help, and he also did not comment on Barack Obama. Interestingly enough, though, though he is saying overall, if you want to get into personality, that he's he gets too much credit and he's demonized too much, and you know, people who work with him and who have interviewed him. I have not. Do you say he's a really uh, almost over-the-top cheerful person? Well, of course. He's cheerful. He's cheerful exactly the way that Pennywise the clown is cheerful. You know what I mean? He's cheerful just as he's drawing out a long, sharpened steel blade. Oh, jeez. I don't know. Oh, come on. No, no, no. I'm not talking about Carl Rove. I'm talking about Pennywise. <laughs> but, I am, but I'm saying Carl Rove is cheerful in that same John Wayne Gacy kind of way. You know what I mean? I Let me ask you this. Is it true that Hillary Clinton has, and I'm not simply speaking about inside the mind of Scotty J, is it true that Hillary Clinton does have historically high net negative levels, or is that is that just sort of a, a colloquial truth that Karl Rove is throwing out there? I, I do not know that she has the highest negatives of any Democratic candidate entering a presidential election. I'd have to compare that, but I, I don't know that to be true. But her, it is true that her, her negatives are high, but so are her positives. She is someone that people have very strong opinions about either way. And I will say, and I keep going back to this, this is the thing I said about, I don't know, about a year ago, and I am... I will stick by this statement, and I do believe, not like I'm trying to say I'm imbued with some sort of special political second sight or anything, but I do believe that this is a thing I, I think more people are going to come around to something I said, which is that she has a lot of negatives, but she has a lot of positives, and you know what, and and the settling is already done. There's going to be no shifting of one of those columns to the other. People have made up their mind on her, and they're not likely 
to change as opposed to Barack Obama, who, as you know, the longer he stayed in the race, the more that luster is coming off. Um, I think what's interesting, though, Hillary has such a gigantic lead nationally, and you have to say, of course, the races in the state are much states are much closer. Iowa, for example, but here's the thing: even though she has that huge lead, when you ask people how strongly they feel about that, they don't feel that strongly. They're sort of picking Hillary for now, and and you know, while that is a great advantage for her, and she if she holds on to it. The nomination is hers, but but it's not. She does not have this nomination clinched. I think a lot of people haven't tuned in yet, and and they haven't really decided. But if you force them to pick, most people, most Democrats would choose Hillary for now. Uh, but that could go either way in the future. What do you think about this uh, sense uh, that as Obama fades, that maybe John Edwards is coming on a little bit? Yeah, I think John Edwards is someone to keep watching. I think that he uh, he he does. Uh, it's interesting that he really doesn't have a lot of experience internationally either. But compared to Barack Obama, he kind of gives across the impression that he does because he's been in a presidential race before. So I think that he's he has got a good shot in Iowa if he keeps on his current trajectory. Uh, meanwhile, I have to share you guys a quick story. We're just learning that uh, a, one congressman from California, his name is Bob Filner. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar no. with him. Thirty, uh, 51st District of California. Looks like, yes. Um, he apparently uh, is, is now being charged with assault by an airline, uh, some bag claim attendant, apparently, uh, from Dulles Airport. He tried to, I guess, get to some unauthorized area. I think that this is probably an area where the baggage was. He was waiting for his baggage. We, it's not clear, but he tried to get past some uh, employee and push the guy aside and uh, wouldn't leave because he's a congressman. And now that baggage handler or that airport authority uh, personnel member, we're still trying to determine who it is, is uh, taking him to court. So now he's going to have some baggage of his own. I love, you know, I really do love story. The only way that story could be better, even just the, with a little thumbnail sketch you gave me, is if at some point he used the phrase, do you know who I am? Right. Any story containing that phrase, like we had an Elton John story a couple weeks ago where he actually said that, and I, I man, I just love those moments. Um, it, let me, is, is the White House uh, still tapping my phone? I mean, theoretically, is it? I'm so unclear about this wiretapping business and whether it's still going on or whether it stopped or did they vote to extend it or is it in the air? I mean, what are they listening to, generally speaking, and, and for how long? Right, the carpenters. That's what they're listening to. <laughs> No, it's they the White House the wire the warrantless wiretap program is in effect and and it is technically now the program should be or should have been uh, approved in general by a secret court called the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court FISA. Um, now, so it has been approved in some mode, and it is ongoing. But there are questions about whether aspects of it are still illegal or not. And, and there's a lot of issues over how it was originally approved and whether the White House kind of did not fully brief the people who were actually approving it as to what was in the program. And so what's happening now is the White House is not turning over documents that have to do with uh, justifying this program legally. And they're saying, we're, we, we're not going to do it yet. We found some, but we think we can exert executive privilege, meaning we don't think we have to turn them over to Congress. But to figure all that out, we need more time, and we want to negotiate more. They're playing hardball here. They want – they basically – 
probably want to do this in private. They don't want these documents in public. Congress, the Democrats want these documents in public. They want to know what's going on with the program. But uh, now they're at a constitutional standoff. Excellent. And, so there you go. And with that, I got a scoot. I'm All sorry. right. Excellent. Lisa Goddard, as always, a pleasure. We will talk to you soon. Okay, great. All right, there you go. Fantastic. I keep forgetting it's not 1140. Um, you know what's frustrating me here is this, this hideous uh, Joss Stone thing that I wanted to play. Was can you not find it? Well, it was on um, it was on the the nets. It was on, and I don't mean like on a file sharing site. Like it was on the front page of Yahoo uh, this weekend. And like a moron, I did not flag it or or download it. You know, I didn't record it. Do you know what it's called? It's Josh Stone. Okay, I should. I'll just give. I'll give the punchline here, and I'm not going to play the whole thing. It is Josh Stone and a woman named Angelique. That's with a Q. Angelique Kidjo. K I D J O. Kid Joe, Angelique Kid Joe. Um, it is a cover. I mean, it's not even that it's um, badly recorded. It's just pointless and awful. It's it's a cover of the Rolling Stones' "Gimme Shelter," um, and it's. Did you find it? Look at you on YouTube. I'll see why didn't I do that. Now I don't even know whether I should play the Stones version or this version. For let me play a little bit of the Stones version. And then we'll uh, and then we'll play this while that's buffering. Scotty was kind enough to give me. In fact, let's get this call and then we'll do the Stones version, then the Alpha version. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, this is Jesse. Hey, oh Jesse from Red Hot Pistol. Yes, I'm sorry. I know you've been on hold forever. What's up, brother? Hey, so uh, we finally uh, got a song back from the studio and it's on our MySpace. Excellent. And uh, I was hoping you'd let me redeem uh, our uh, our image from the. The, uh, the only other song that was... Yeah, we had that horrible You're in the Lions dance song, and then we sort of tried and failed to find you a new lead singer, and we just all kind of fell apart. And so you've actually discovered a new lead singer who doesn't... Yeah, right after we kind of gave, uh, we, we gave up with doing it on the Rick Emerson show, the, um, uh, the guy came along and answered one of our ads and worked out great. So Fantastic. Pretty awesome. Uh, and so it's on your mind. What is it? Give the address, sir. It's uh, myspace.com slash redhotpistol. And is the song clean? Yeah, clean. What's it called? It's called Lucy Lucy. Lucy Lucy. All right. Uh, we'll check it out. We'll play it later today. Cool. Thanks, man. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. All right. So let me just play a little bit of this Rolling Stones song. I mean, it's a legendary song. Probably my favorite Stone song of all time. Uh, and then we'll play this completely awful remake. Boy, how great is that intro still? It's just the best song. The song is so great. I've been listening to the Stones all weekend for some reason. I have this, I have this mix on my MP3 player. That is, um, it's a mix of the best of Sticky Fingers and the best of Let It Bleed, kind of merged into one super mix. Those two albums kind of stripped down, and, and it's just got this endless, like downward progression that goes on here. Uh, how great! This is the best song ever recorded. Not really, but it seems so at the moment. All right. Sarah, do we want to play? Now, this is the – here's the thing. Yahoo, this was their front page story for a while. It was like, Josh Stone and Angelique Kidjo record a Stones classic, you know, for a new time with a new message. And I do believe the song – I do believe they have re released this song now as part of some – wait for it. In fact, I'm not even going to tell you. What is this to benefit, Sarah? What is this to raise awareness of? Um, AIDS in Africa? No. No, that's very 1989. Oh, Think now, what does everybody have to pretend to care about these days? There's so many things. I'll give you a hint. 
You're cold? No, the opposite, actually. How do I signify heat? Global warming. Oh, okay. I'm trying to do cold, but I guess it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but it's for global warming, uh, which doesn't make any sense and which no one really cares about. I mean, that's. I'm not saying that people are... I'm not saying we don't believe it's happening. It probably is happening. But I'm saying, like, no one cares. I mean, you might care even, but you're not doing anything about it. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm not trying to be contrarian or obstinate about it. I'm saying even if you believe it's happening, even if you think something ought to be done and you care, your ass isn't doing anything about it. I mean, every car I passed today that had a bunch of eco, you know, stickers on it and a bunch of, like, you know, save the earth and mother... It's all in some gas-belching, exhaust-spewing car. I mean, come on. So... Okay, I haven't heard this. We're all going to... Yeah, we're all going to die of of something. It's probably going to be cancer from sun rays. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. So... I mean, the idea that rock stars can save the world just seems so quaint and and retarded, frankly. So listen now to the worst version you're ever going to hear of one of the best songs ever recorded. Go ahead and... I mean... Oh, no. I mean, you can tell it's crap right off. They're dancing. Angelique, who is... A woman of color is behind, a, in front of the white screen, wearing all black, and Joss Stone's white, and she's behind in front of the black screen. It's all, all very deep. Can, I, can you pause it just for a second here? Also, it's embarrassing to me just that. I mean, Joss Stone, who is, I mean, she's relentlessly white, isn't she? I mean, she's, she's very white, and now she has multicolored hair and a nose ring. Yeah, she's all She's edgy. crazy. The, uh, well, and just, and the fact that when you, I mean, let's just call it what it is. You have her singing in the song with a black woman, and Joss Stone, that put on fake black voice that she puts on, I mean, like any number of white singers have done over the years, trying to put on a fake soul voice. It's like you almost don't recognize how fake her soul voice is until you have her singing with an actual black woman. You know what I mean? And you can hear this, like, fake... I mean, I'm not going to say it's offensive because I don't really care. But it's just cringe-inducing. It's just awful that she puts on this fake soul woman voice when she sings. You go ahead and continue to... Okay. How bad is this? It's like Ricky Martin does the Rolling Stones. Oh, man. It's like someone decided... It's like someone decided to do a Dance Dance Revolution version of a bad Peter Gabriel song. Okay. Now, I would like to, again, and just let to go through the chorus one more time, unless you've closed it. This, this song is about heroin. It's just a shot away. Give me shelter. It's just a shot away. If the song is about smack, I don't know what it is with people taking heroin songs and trying to make them about something else. Yes, there are lots of the, like little African children wandering the streets looking sad and then looking for heroin. It's about a bunch of sad African orphans looking for force. Yeah, the, this is like that song, you know that song, The Laws, uh, There She Goes, which then uh-huh. Sixpence None the Richer covered? Also about heroin. I think now used to sell, like, Carnival Cruises or something. Lust for Life, also about heroin. Used to sell something else. You know, every song that's about heroin eventually gets turned into some sort of happy, upbeat song. All right, so there you go. That's the worst thing ever. Let's just take a break here. I'll go ahead and... 
All right, back after this with Tim Riley, the top five, Peter Carlin, the second worst story ever. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We continue next. Don't go anywhere. Radio program. I do like the fact that you threw part of it away, though. Like, out of principle, you didn't eat the whole candy bar. You threw, like, 10% of it away. I know, and I really wish I wouldn't have had it. Because I get, I want a candy bar, like, once every few months, and I just ate it way too fast. The thing about those candy bars, and I was saying, this is like me with donuts. I don't eat donuts, but every once in a while I'll crave one, and I get about three bites in, and I just can't hack it. Because it's just like a lard, like a full-on animal fat taste. It's just disgusting. Somebody brought me, um... Somebody brought me a donut, I won't say from where, but from a prominent Portland donuttery. And I just, you know, and I appreciated the sentiment, but man, one bite of that, and it's just, I realized, and it leaves that greasy film in your mouth. You know what I crave every now and again? It's just a plain old Hershey bar. I don't sound like an old person, but they, and they don't stock them here. All they have is, I mean, they have M&M's. That's the closest Hershey I can get to. Hershey bars with almonds are really good. Hershey bars with almonds. Um, do you know that, that the uh, Snickers almond is actually the Mars bar. They just changed the name. So if you see an almond Snickers, that is, in fact, the Mars bar. It wasn't selling well under the name of Mars, so they repackaged it. Same candy bar. Hmm. Uh, look what I got today. Do you know, what's, you know what I hold in my hand? You know, what this, you know who this package right here just came in the mail? I don't even know what it is. You know who this is addressed to? Who? Bob McNabb. <laughs> Should we track Bob down? I, I, I don't even know that. Bob that's... never worked here, did he? Bob McNabb of the clan, of the clan McNabb. Um, Bob didn't work any. I mean, I haven't. Man, Bob. The last time Bob was on, Bob was on the show, that was we were in the old KOTK building next door. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was what two thousand. Yeah. Eight years ago, seven years ago. So something. Let's see what was addressed to Bob McNabb, and then we'll go to Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Bob McNabb received a copy of, uh, I swear to God, the name of this book, How Starbucks Saved My Life. What? Right there. Look at that. And what is the what is the subtitle? Say? I bet this is some sort of not chick lit, but I bet this is like guy lit. You know what I mean? I bet this is I bet this is a guy or a gender neutral version of chick lit. How Starbucks Saved My Life. You can tell because it's got the attention-grabbing title, which probably has almost nothing to do with the book inside. That's the chiclet thing. You know what I mean? Chiclet books always have uh, titles like, you know, How to Be an Adulteress in Five Easy Steps or whatever. And then the story never has anything to do with that. It's just the title is the, the title and then a sparkly, swirly font designed to get you to pick it up. A son of privilege learns to live like everyone else. Jesus. All right. Well, there you go. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, the uh, judge... Uh, are we playing the... Uh... Oh, I didn't know, because today's been so wonky, I don't oh, know if I'm I should sorry. or not. Let's oh. go to the Ministry of Truth. Yeah. Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So these poor kids have been in trouble for swatting those young ladies. Still have a, just a few days to go before they go back to school again. So their summer vacation has been ruined. But these two boys who are 13 uh, read statements of apology to a packed courtroom today. Many were teary-eyed. Uh, one said, girls, if I offended you and your parents, I'm sorry. I hope we can still be friends. Now, here's your $250. And the other one said, I did not mean to offend you in any way. None of this is your fault. So they were charged initially with felony sexual abuse. This goes all the way back to February. So uh, that's that. So we hope they enjoyed their summer vacation. There's only like two days left to it. No touching. So there. They had to pay these girls 250 bucks a piece, so they should be happy. 
Uh, let's see. The uh, treatment of U.S. veterans is embarrassing and disgraceful, says Hillary. Heartbreaking stories of having to confront red tape and bureaucracy after dodging sniper bullets and escaping improvised explosive devices. Stories of struggling just to get the care and treatment they need. You know, here's the thing is, don't you get this feeling that even when Hillary is saying something you suspect she really believes, she sounds totally unconvincing? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the great and weird thing about her. She is totally consistent. She sounds unbelievable no matter what is coming out of her mouth. Truth, lie, you know, fabrication, honesty, it all sounds made up. I mean, that's, she does have that in common with her husband, that no matter what Bill Clinton was saying, it sounded like a lie, even when it was the truth. So, God bless her. Uh, she says the U.S. cannot impose a military solution on Iraq, and she criticized the Iraqi lawmakers without doing enough to find solutions. I think it is unacceptable for our troops to be caught in the crossfire of a sectarian civil war while the Iraqi government is on vacation. I think it is time that the Iraqi government took responsibility for themselves and their country. And now on to Karl Rove, who was on uh, Meet the Press yesterday. He said Hillary is likely to be the Democratic candidate, but is totally flawed. She enters the general election campaign with the highest negatives of any candidate in the history of the Gallup poll. Well, it just says people have made an opinion about her. It's hard to change opinions once you've been a high-profile person in the public eye as she has for 16 or 17 years. You know, but You're wrong, Carl. No, he is wrong. He, he's exactly wrong because, as I said, the, exa what he just said is the reason why she will be the candidate and why she will probably win. Because the, it is impossible to change her numbers at this point. But you know what? She's got huge numbers. That's the thing. There's all kinds of people who don't like her, but she's got all kinds of people who will vote for her, and those numbers aren't going to change. They're not going to go up or down. And right now, even if those numbers stay exactly the same, that's enough to get her the presidency. So here we go back into their delusionary world. Uh, Carl Rove said the Democrats won't win the next election because they are living in the past. All of our major candidates get it, that the election has got to be about the future. Democrats want to make it about the past. And he is positive a Republican will win the next presidency. And I'm ah. very confident that we've got good candidates who at the end of the day will carry, one of them will carry the day in the primary and will stand an excellent chance of carrying the day in the general election. Despite the fact it's very tough for a party to win the White House a third time, but I'm confident we've got an excellent shot to do so because of the quality of our candidates. Is that past the cyanide in the bunker, please. Was that still Carl Rove? Yeah. He has that weird Texas accent that comes and goes, kind of like Hillary's southern accent. Well, he comes claims and goes. to be a, a Texas resident. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that movie, uh, Bush's Brain? No. About Carl Rove? I should. It's, it is a little slanty, mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's interesting. There's enough about their Carl Rove. I mean, it, it is very uh, clearly shot through this sort of, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid Air America prism. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, there is some there is some interesting stuff there. Scotty uh, is typed on the screen, I will pay you $500 if Hillary wins. Everybody remember the day Scotty said that, by the way. Hey, Scotty. All right. Hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Carl Rove said he has proven that Valerie uh, Plame and her husband, uh, John Wilson's statements are false. You now know about a statement issued on July 11th by the director of the CIA was misleading and inaccurate. The vice president of the White House and the director of the CIA did not send Mr. Wilson to Africa. The information he came back with was not conclusive, did not disprove the British intelligence finding that the Iraqis had a Jesus, chance to are we still talking about this story? Wasn't that like 10 years ago? Yeah. God. All right. Uh, so on to this. Uh, apparently there was a debate yesterday. I was it over the weekend at some point. It was on ABC. It was uh, yesterday, and I know because I was talking to my wife who was... Uh, no, it was in Iowa. No wonder nobody knows about it. She was... No, Tim, those people are better than we are. Salt of the earth. God's people. Looks like a Rotary Club meeting from 1954. Anytime those people get together. <laughs> the Kiwanis meeting. Yeah. They have a, welcome to the Toastmasters meeting. 
Um, hey, you know, speaking of the Toastmasters, somebody had a great... And that's a phrase you don't hear anymore. And how ironic that you're hearing it on a talk radio program. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Toastmasters, someone had this uh, great idea uh, that this program uh, right here, the, the Rick Emerson Radio Show, uh, that we ought to sponsor, uh, we ought to sponsor a high school debate team. You know what I mean? How, like, Pennzoil will sponsor, like, a car in a race, mm-hmm. or somebody will sponsor, like, a soapbox derby car or whatever. We ought to sponsor a, a team debate team. How exciting and nerd-like would that be? Uh, I'd enjoy that immensely. So school's getting back in, you kids. Uh, so as uh, as as you roll back into your debate club, uh, whatever, uh, drop me a line or something. We're looking for a debate team. And it must be Lincoln Douglas. There will be no cross X sponsoring happening here. Uh, this must be a Lincoln Douglas debate team. But I think I think we might be looking. I th- I'm willing to do that. I think we might uh, might help out with a uh, might help out with a debate team. Um, yeah. So my wife called me from work and she said, "Are you watching this debate?" And I said, "No, I'm watching Battlestar Galactica." What are you talking? Nobody about? in America no. was watching this debate. Nobody knew about She's it. Like it's the future of the country. And I'm like, "Hey, it's the future of civilization." There's only 49,000 survivors left on these battleships. Um, but she, the candidate that she could not quit raving about. Uh, was John Edwards, of all people. She just kept going on and on and on about how great he was. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I'll grant you right now that she doesn't know anything about him, but neither do I. I mean, really. It, but Americans Americans vote based on a gut sense and her gut feeling. She was all about John Edwards. So, anyway, in this debate, uh, Hillary Clinton said that uh, Carl Rove was always picking on her. Well, I don't think Carl Rove's going to endorse me. Uh, that's <laughs> more and more obvious. But Good for I her. It's interesting he's so obsessed with me. And I think the reason is because... <laughs> she's just got the biggest We know sack. how to win. Really, she has just got stones to the floor. Mm-hmm. The fact that she just sticks it right back in his face. Because really, if you're Hillary Clinton, what can they possibly scare you with? They impeached your husband. Yeah. They accused. I mean, you know, the, the bunch of uh, the, the nutcase right wingers accused the Hillary accused uh, the Hillarys accused meet the Hillarys accused the Clintons of killing people. Scotty J has come in here and said on the microphone that the Clintons killed people. I mean. They did everything but try to run them out of town, tarred and feathered. What could you possibly scare Hillary Clinton with at this point? You know what I mean? You can't scare. She cannot be frightened. I mean, that's that's and that's why she shoves it right back on Karl Rove. Uh, Bill Richardson says he has the combination of being just like Obama and Hillary. Really? Really? You know, I think that uh, Senator it's a Obama black woman. does represent change. Senator Clinton has experience, change and experience. With me, wake up. You get both. Okay. If only we knew who you were. He's from uh, one of those uh, southeastern, southwest, someplace, someplace, someplace that won't matter after he gets drummed out of the primary. Uh, Hillary says the troops should be out of Iraq very, very soon. We need to begin moving our troops out, and we have to do it carefully and responsibly. Moving troops out cannot happen without careful planning, which is why I've been pushing the Pentagon to make sure they're actually planning. Uh, John Edwards says the troops should not immediately leave Iraq. I think it would be hard to do by December. I think we can responsibly and in a very orderly way bring our troops out over the next uh, nine or ten months. And uh, Obama had something to say. He says, oh, I uh, forgot he was in the Yeah, we got into Iraq from uh, supposedly some experienced people. Nobody had more experience than Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney and many of the people on this stage that authorized this war. And it indicates how we get into trouble uh, when we engage in the sort of conventional thinking that has become the habit in Washington. There's just no weight to him. You know what I mean? He just doesn't seem to have any sort of, uh, I hate you, the, the, the use of the word. Maybe. I mean, if it's not, if it's not him, it'll be... Edge up, Hillary. It'll be... It's true. Because he is... Because he is... He, is, he, he does... Um, he, he just has... 
He has what Edwards has, but in a less slick sort of form. Because Edwards is very sunny, but he's just too slick, I think. He's just too relentlessly uh, perky. And Obama has that, but it is shot through with a little bit of gravitas. Not as much as you need to be president, though. Um, and, and she's got to know that you capture just a huge chunk of Americans who probably don't vote if, you know, you have another un- you know, you have somebody who's not just an old white guy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have a woman and a black man. I mean, come on. You want to talk about just uh, capturing uh, just that, uh, you know, that Oprah audience. I mean, right there. That's, I mean, that's all you need to win. That's all you need to swing the election. Oh, it's going to be a great year. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, I have a couple things. Yes. First, did you catch Entourage last night? Here, I didn't, and let me tell you why. Because uh, I have a TiVo, as you know, and um, I have the monthly subscription to the TiVo because they discontinued the lifetime subscription right around the time I upgraded TiVos. And my monthly subscription, I found this out, like my wife and I sat down to watch Entourage last night, like 740. My TiVo service is on a credit card that just expired. Uh-huh. Uh, it expired two weeks ago. And so I go to watch it, and it's not there, and I hit live TV, and I get the sad little TiVo face where he makes the frowny face, and he's like, your, your TiVo connection is not... Please call customer service. So my TiVo connection is down until I give them a different credit card. So I feel like uh, I feel like John Mahoney in uh, it Say Anything. But, well, I, I want to tell you something about the ending, not of the show... But I don't think this is a spoiler, but it contributes to how great a week you had last week. Well, hold on. Sarah, have you... Well, you don't watch Entourage right now. No, I don't. It's not, it's not a spoiler. Okay, well, well, go ahead. Okay. You know, they, they do their last little, you know, take, and then it cuts to credits, and the song comes up? Sure. The song was Back in the New York Groove. Oh, really? Yeah, and I thought, boy, that was just a Rick Emerson kind of week. Totally. Back in the New York Groove, a song made famous, famous by Ace Frehley and his Kiss solo record. Absolutely. Excellent. Fantastic. Hey, you know what's cool? Yes. Bragging on yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Bye now. I know you hate to hear that, Sarah, but listen. You've got to brag on yourself sometimes. Oh, my God. All right, here's Tim Riley. Prosecutors are considering criminal charges. Your mic's off. I was going to let him go. I was no. trying to catch your eye just to see how long. <laughs> well, you're wearing Scotty's headphones tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty's magic headphones. Excellent. Prosecutors are considering criminal charges against casino gamblers who won big on the slot machine that have been installed with faulty software. Uh, the machine at Caesars, Indiana. Caesars? Indiana. Caesars, Indiana. Caesars, Indiana. <laughs> that's not Caesars Palace. That's Caesars Outhouse. Yes. <laughs> Caesars Root Cellar. <laughs> I credited gamblers $10 for each dollar they inserted because the software wasn't oh. designed for U.S. currency. Well, that doesn't seem like an MP. That seems like a, like a YP. Mm-hmm. More than two dozen people played the machine before one gambler alerted Caesars employees. Caesars lost $487,000 in the machine during that time. This is where? Caesars? Indiana. <laughs> what, what did kids you win? Potatoes? Caesars uh, Hoosiers. <laughs> um... No, and there was a joke there, but I don't. It doesn't really work. Um, the uh, you just know there are bumper stickers there. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I just tell you this? Where the Hoosiers play, you just know, you know, because you see those proud parents of a cougar, you know, or whatever, like those WSU stickers. Coog mom. That was a famous uh, license. Place. My mom had one of those. Yeah, you know that there's one in in uh, in Indiana that says "Who's your daddy?" That's bad. Who's your daddy? <laughs> All right. You can't uh, want want yourself after none of us laughed. <laughs> no, I had to laugh. Sarah, you've got to laugh on yourself sometimes. You know it's all right, Rick. <laughs> I hate you. Dragging on yourself. Dying of fire. Um, no, but you can't. But let me, let me. Do you have the stories that this here? Yeah. This here story. You can't. 
you can't sue someone because your ass made the, the slot machine wrong. Because you hear those stories occasionally about there'll be some slot machine in Vegas that's supposed to pay off one out of every 50 times, and it, like somebody sets the, the decimal in the wrong place, and it pays off like one out of every five times. You can't do that. Caesars, the Caesars lost $487,000 on the machine during that time period. That's wonderful. And listen to this. Before some dick gambler alerted Caesars employees, who alerts the casino that the slot machine is working incorrectly? Who does that? That's like that time years and years and years ago. I had an ATM where my, my, uh, my account just became bottomless. Like I would withdraw $100 from my bank account, and like my balance never went down. I mean, this is uh, probably 15 years ago now, because I was living in Utah at the time. And I would withdraw money, and it would just, you know, I had whatever, like $500 or something in my account. And I would withdraw 100 bucks, and it would just stay at $500. On the, so, just one certain machine? Yeah, on a single ATM. <laughs> I just went back every day. I totally went back every day. And I'm like, well, you know, let's just see if the bank catches this. So, I mean, you know. Oh, that's like a dream scenario. It, the, the balance never went down. Ever. That's just mean to like torture people by saying that happened to you. How much money did you take out? I don't know, but it, I mean, they fixed it. You know, pretty. I mean, you know, it started going down after that. Um, but they fixed it. I mean, pretty promptly. But I think it was only that one machine. So, and I never, and I never saw anything in the news about it ever. So anyway, um, well, this is, but this is just ridiculous. Who, what gambler? I'm sorry. This machine seems to be giving out free money. You have to fix it right now. Criminal intent, he said, may be involved when people play a machine they know is faulty. Whatever. Whatever, friends. Yeah. You find a jury that's going to side with you on that. All right, here's Tim Riley. Wow, four bystanders were hit by gunfire on the strip early yesterday morning after a brawl involving at least 20 men outside a restaurant near Flamingo Road. They're all in their 20s, including at least one tourist. Nobody was seriously injured, except for one of the female tourists. This happened on the sidewalk in front of Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville Cafe. <laughs> I, I stayed right next to there. Passing away again in Margaritaville. Uh, two men bumped into each other. Two groups of men, totaling about 20, began arguing and began throwing bottles, cans, and punches. That is not Buffett-like behavior. It is a mini-riot, said an officer. During the fight, one of the men pulled out again, began firing toward O'Shea's, a casino next door to Margaritaville. Wait, hold on. So did you say you stayed at Margaritaville? You're talking about the one in Vegas, right? Yeah. Did no, you... no, I didn't stay. I stayed at Imperial Palace, which oh, was right, like... Okay. like Right next door to it. I would lose all respect for you if you stayed no, at Margaritaville. Well, I thought maybe Margaritaville. you got comped or But something. every time I'd walk back and forth to Imperial Palace, that damn song was playing. Oh, man. Oh. Boy, oh, can I just tell you, I had the trashiest experience the other day. I know that's a big surprise. It was in southeast Portland. Um, the, the surprises keep on coming. Uh, Laura and I were taking the dog for a walk. So we're out walking Max, and, you know, there's that particular sound that a song will have when it's floating to you through the air from a great distance. Like, you can tell when a song is, is being played somewhere far away, because it gets that sort of ghostly, echoey sound. Um, and so we hear, I didn't think I'd ever say this, the ghostly strains of Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. And we're like, well, who is playing Margaritaville? And then we realize that there's a guy down the street from us who is having a barbecue in his backyard. And, of course, because he is like a baby boomer type, uh, and you can just tell from the house and the car and the whatever, he, of course, is playing Margaritaville. And then we realize with horror... It's not even a CD. He, in fact, has hired a Jimmy Buffett cover band to play in his backyard. No. Yeah. This is like a month ago. I can't believe I didn't tell this story. He has a Jimmy Buffett, because they stop with Margaritaville, and then they play, you know, whatever. 
blah, cheeseburger in paradise or whatever, and then banana wind, and just all of those, you know, just the same. And the only good, the only good Jimmy Buffett song is "Let's Get Drunk and Screw." That uh, that's the only that's the all or whatever that song is called. That's the only good song that that guy's ever recorded. Um, but man, they were playing the whole box set. They were just playing all four discs of Jimmy Buffett hits. Just oh, and it was and of course the bar band, you know, the Jimmy Buffett band themselves were really drunk. You could tell. Uh, so that was just terrible. Just a living hell on earth. All right, let's do one more, and then we'll take a little break. Well, nearly a dozen extras have been injured on the German set of Tom Cruise's latest Nazi movie. Uh, they were hurt when the truck in which they were riding had its side burst open and spilled them out. The injuries are not considered serious. Berlin police say there are no findings to suggest anyone famous was involved in the accident. They were just extras. So the truck just hit something? or Apparently so. The, the, the side of it burst open. Filming was called off. For at least a remainder of the evening. I'm sorry, I did not see that hole in the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, Nazi movie tells the story of a colonel who reportedly led a 1944 plan to assassinate Hitler and failed. Hitler? And Tom Cruise is the star, playing Hitler. Hitler? I barely knew her. Come on, that's funny. You guys aren't laughing at any of my material today, and it's all gold. I'm, I'm just happy that you're funny in your head. That's a terrible thing to say. Rick, well, you made me watch Requiem for a Dream. Oh, they're, that's they're right. Just payback now? They're scant amusement. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our tagline. They're scant amusement. <laughs> Rick Emerson. Rick, apropos of nothing, a thought occurred to me yesterday. How surprised are you that a restaurant chain... Oh, I, okay. This is, I see. So this is not happening. I won't mention the... Uh... I won't name the restaurant chains he mentions. He says, Rick, how surprised are you that some awful suburban restaurant chain like Blanks or Blanks... We wish to be respectful of anybody who might choose to advertise in the future. He says, how surprised are you that some awful suburban restaurant chain like Blanks or perhaps Blanks hasn't used You Got Served as a tagline to some awful ad campaign? You know you can picture the TV ads in your head right now. I really can, mm-hmm. can't you? And just a bunch of beaming white people being given a plate of nachos or something. Just a whole, welcome to Blanks. You Got Served. Oh, oh, I can just oh, picture it with bad. no trouble at all. Oh, eesh. All right. This call doesn't make any sense. I'm looking here at the screen. Wants to talk about Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer and Dirty Bomb. Hmm. Maybe they know something it's we don't. get into the mad dog. Daddy I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, can I kiss you on the mouth? Please let me. Good morning, Matolia. Here's the thing. It's been on my Netflix queue for a year and a day, uh, Broke by Mountain, but I feel like I can never watch it. And I meant to see it because I want, you know, every year I try to see, A, it's a, it's a film that is culturally important, and, you know, it's part of the pop culture, and B, every year I try to see all the nominees for, like, Best Picture, Best Director. I try to see, like, if there's five nominees or whatever, I try to see them all. I feel like I can never watch it now because as soon as I get to the I, I wish I knew how to quit you, all I'm going to be able to picture is Scotty's uh, brother and his friend with the assless chaps or this sounder. That's all I'm going to mm-hmm. be able to picture. Oh, you need to move it up in your queue. It's a, it's just a number one movie. Best movie I've ever seen. What movie is this? <sighs> Brokeback Mountain. Wait, is it, I can't tell. Is this attempted humor or not? Yeah, I can't, I can't spot funny. it. What do we say about trying to be funny, Scotty? Don't do it. Exactly. Teenage suicide and oh, trying to be funny. Don't that. do it. Yeah, in your face. All right. Um, Scotty, I'm looking at this call. It says, Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer and Dirty Bomb. Right. And How not, do you feel and, about me taking this call? And, it, and the thing is, that barely even fit on the screen. So, I, I mean, how, I don't understand. I mean, I can use up three or four. Li- we need to get something where I can put 
a whole, you know, a paragraph mm-hmm. rather than just 20 Please letters. explain, though, what does this mean? Well, you were talking about music that loops. This guy used to work across from Nordstrom. Uh, I don't know if it was Washington Square. Thank you, thank you by the way, else. for not saying Nordstrom's. Thank you for that. <laughs> and, oh, well, he said that. Anyways, he said that uh, whatever this business was used to play Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer over and over okay. and over and over during Christmas. Let's, let's stand stand by while we find out if this is a good call or not. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick, thanks for taking the call. And Scotty J, you know, I did say Nordstrom because that is what it is. It is Nordstrom, yeah. singular. Ass. Um, anyway, tape loop, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from about five days before Thanksgiving all the way through New Year's. Uh. Downtown. My office was up on the sixth floor of the building across the street. Ouch, that was bad. That'll break but, your brain. And then on the dirty bomb thing, Rick, yeah. you know, I think I'm I'm a, I'm afraid that you kind of need to kind of look at this like Sarah X. Dillon is, and that is, hey, this is going to happen after her birthday. This is going to happen after your trip to London. Uh, okay, and therefore? And therefore, hey, your trip to London is all you need to think about right now. Don't worry about any exercises after that. Okay, excellent. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks for taking the call. All right, thank you. There you go. Okay, I have two things to say. Yeah. Number one, when's your birthday again, Sarah? October 9th. Okay, so we need a board operator for that day for the special <laughs> no. surprise. I got some mad dog left over. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't wait. Secondly, I wanted to mention that this place in Seaside, it's a candy shop. Uh-huh. If you go it, down... It, wait, it has a candy shop with two P's and an E? I, I don't know how it's spelled. I bet I don't it even is. know the name of the place. Uh-huh. I'm just saying they are a candy shop. Shopper. They play the candy man over... Oh. And, 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 it's, oh. and, and you have to park in this uh You know, working there must just be the area. most suicide-inducing job. <laughs> No, there's like a big megaphone thing that plays outside their building uh, into the parking lot. And just it's sitting just there, all just day. eight Who's hours in a sunrise. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. That's like once a year when I would, when I would. You know it's true. And you know there are businesses that do well. It's like at Kenny Rogers Roasters. It's like all the I Kenny. I loved Ro- that place, by the way. It's just really sad. Of course you did. They play Lady all, over and over again. Their chicken was to die. For. You got served. Uh, at Kenny Rogers Roasters, they just loop like the three biggest hits that guy ever had over and over and over and over and over and endlessly over. That's like when I would work at the, this oldie station in Spokane. Once a year, we would have to play Louie Louie nonstop. Oh, like I for a whole weekend. Do it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You would have to play nothing but. And and I mean, you think to yourself, a couple days, it's not so bad. It's not so bad as a listener because you can turn it off. And this is before automation. So you would for a six-hour air shift. You would, and that's a like three-minute song. You would sit in there. So what? So 40 minutes of music an hour, that's like 10. So that's having to play Louie Louie 60 times in a row. I mean, by different artists, not even the good Kingsman version. Yeah, I noticed they were in the Oregonian yesterday. Well, cause Don't know some, why. But. Well, because it's like the whatever anniversary, and there was some town doing it. I love Louie Louie by the Kingsman. I really do. Even but after that's the, hearing it 8,000 times. I still do. No, it's still, uh-huh. one, it's still one of the all-time great rock songs, but that's the only good version of that song. That's the only good version of that song that's ever been recorded. That no other version of Louie Louie was ever good. I mean, that's just a fact. I'm sorry, but not even I, the Motorhead version. When I hear that song again, I see. You know, I have nothing to. I don't know how to say this, but there's ladies at certain wedding receptions that that have you know dresses on that are at, that that go to their knees and no shoes on. And the minute they hear a song like that, they run out with their hands up high onto the dance floor. It just makes me want to. Gag. Are these yeah. are these women of size? No, just I mean it, it could be, but for the most part, it's just let me more, ask you more this of right a flower now. child type. 
Scotty, let me ask you this right now. At a wedding, uh, please now to list, just off the top of your head, your three oh. least favorite types of people. Oh. Three least favorite types of people. The three types of people at a wedding you despise the most. Granola, flower, hippie types. Now, do you do a lot of those weddings? No, but they're always guests for some reason. Oh, I, it's always some hippie <laughs> aunt. What do they request? <laughs> Something like Louie Louie or, you know, things like that. It's always like an aunt of somebody who's getting married. Let's We have to invite Aunt Cherise, and Aunt Cherise lives in a commune and has purple hair. I have, I have cousins that live in a commune. I think everybody has, like, a cousin or an aunt who's sort of an outcast. Yep, they travel around and blow glass. Totally. Probably gets high at the back, you know, in the cloak, the cloak room at the wedding. Yeah, but now Laura has one of those ants too. When you say travel around, meaning they have their trailer and they, they the, pull they behind their, their vehicle. They, yeah. sell, they sell quacks in the shape of Oregon. <laughs> they each contribute their different products right. to their communes. So like they go and blow glass, and then people build things, and they bring all the money up to this fort that they have surrounded by literally people with guns. And they live up there and have like all their children homeschooled together. <laughs> Fantastic. Ooh. But they're really fun to go out drinking with. Oh, you know they're great as long as you don't live with them. Uh-huh. Yeah. And as long as you wear a clothespin over your nose for the smell of sweat. No, right? Lara has one of those ants, too. And Lara's family's deeply Mormon. But when we were in Utah, because we, we did two different wedding receptions, one here and one there. Uh, and then her, her nutcase hippie aunt showed up. And her aunt's like 65, purple hair, big flowery sundress, and I, and I know it was baked about half the time we were there. I just know it. I mean, you could just tell. Um, you know, and, and you know, and, and had like a, you know... One of those, you know, not all who wander are lost sticker, you know, on the back of her car. You totally know who that is. You know what I mean? All right. Two other people at a wedding that you hate. The dude that totally gets tanked or is tanked. Yes, we all hate that yeah, dude, the, don't the, we, Scotty? No, no, no. Let me, let me finish this part. Uh-huh. The guy that gets tanked before I even begin my night. Right. And so when I kind of walk in, you know, their reception part is, is ready to start the music. Yes. Okay, they're done with their dinner and all that. And so some guy's just looking at me with his seething eyes and his beer in his hand, and he just wants to, like, come over and kick my ass for some reason. Yeah. Why would he want to kick your ass? Because I'm the DJ, and, and uh, I don't know. He's why. preemptively <laughs> hating you? Yes. He's just ready to hate you no it, matter it what? It happens all the time, Fantastic. and I don't know why. All right. And the third person at a wedding you hate? <sighs> the third type of people I would hate, yeah. are, and, and, and it's not anything on women, but uh, the women that come up to me and uh-huh. beg and plead to hear the Macarena, and then oh, they, they oh, all okay. go out there, and it's all women. Uh, the oh, guys no, are just dancing sitting with there. their girlfriends. Oh, God. Yeah. The, the, there's no guy. more than three, Rick. Yeah. No, 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 it sounds no, like that, this could go on it. forever. That's about it. I do know what you're talking about, though, and it is always uh, chunky white women, and, and they all call each other girlfriends. And they all want to dance to some horrific Mambo Number no. Five type song. I forgot about that. Yeah, so. no, I'm with you on that. Okay, no, I've, I used to DJ, and I different era, but the same behavior. I when I DJed, I would see that. All right, excellent. Thank you, Scotty. All right, thanks. Do we need to break? Mm-hmm. It's so awkward. It's such an awkward time. Is well, can I just do this and then we'll break a little late? Yeah. And then, hey, Scotty, give the legal. So while we're listening to KCMD Portland, I'm going to do another segment, then we'll break, and we'll come back maybe with Peter Carlin after Tim's news, a little around the bottom of the hour. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. Uh, wait, hold on. While I'm, uh, let me just uh, do this. No, that's totally wrong. Damn, I was, I was all... I was what are all, you trying to do? I'm trying to find the... Uh, we're going to do our hunt for the second worst story, because um, it's a good time to do that. But I can't find... Oh, where's my news that hurts? Oh, here we go. All right. Fantastic. It's time for another exciting edition of It's the Second Worst Story You've Ever Heard. 
This is our uh, quest, our ongoing uh, search for the worst story in the history of all civilization. Today we have a new challenger sent to us by many, many, many people. I had, I don't know, probably I don't know, 15, 16 people who sent me this story, which is pretty amazing, by the way. So we want to uh, thank all the various folks who sent this in to me. We will read the first story and reigning champion. Then we will read this, the second story and challenger. As we are reading this second story, as we get done with the second story, please be calling then 503-733-2970 to vote for what you believe to be the worst story ever. 503-733-2970. Here is story number one and the reigning champion. From the sun, pet spider kills its owner. A man who lived in his own zoo of lizards and insects was fatally bitten by a pet black widow spider, then eaten by the other creepy crawlies. I love the sun. Police broke into Mark Vogel's apartment to find Spider Bettina, along with 200 other spiders, several snakes, a gecko lizard named Helmet, and several thousand termites, all of which had gorged on his body. Neighbors alerted police after becoming alarmed by the smell. Horrified officers were met by a nightmare scene. Police said it was like a horror movie. His corpse was on the sofa. Giant spider webs were draped over him. Spiders were all over him. They were... Coming out of his nose and mouth. There was everything one could imagine. Larger pieces of flesh torn off by the lizards have been scooped up and taken back to the webs of tarantulas and other bird-eating spiders. Vogel was a loner who never invited people back to his jungle home. Police describe here's a nice image. Police described it as a cross between a botanical garden and the butterfly breeding ground in the silence of the lambs. One tarantula had built a nest the size of a swallow's in a corner of the ceiling. Vogel also had a boa constrictor and several poisonous frogs. Said one officer, He had spiders so aggressive they were the equivalent of a pit bull in the animal world. Fantastic. There you go. Story number one. Story number two sent to us by any number of people. From the star.com. This is from uh, Australia. A roused pet camel smothers elderly woman. Oh, I read this headline earlier. I did not. I chose not to read the story. Oh, now, Thanks, you'll, now you'll get it. That's what I do. Dateline Brisbane. An Australian woman was killed by a pet camel given to her as a birthday present after the animal apparently tried to have sex with her, police said. And we saw a camel at Omsi. Those are large. The woman whose name was not released was killed Saturday at her family's sheep and cattle ranch near Mitchell, six, Mitchell, 600 kilometers west of Queensland. Oh, I'm sorry, the Queensland capital, Brisbane. The 10-month-old male camel knocked the woman to the ground, lay on top of her, and then exhibited what the police called mating behavior, said Gregory. I'd say it's probably playing or maybe, uh, maybe even a sexual sort of thing, said Gregory, adding that the camel in the past had... Nearly suffocated the family's pet goat by strangle, uh, straddling it rather on several occasions. Camel Hill expert Chris Hill says he has no doubts that the camel's behavior was sexual. The woman was given the camel in March as a 60th birthday present from her husband and daughter. Gregory said she did love her exotic pets. All right, there you go. That's a tough call. I don't even know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I don't even know where to fall on that. Are you kidding me? I might have to do both of these stories again tomorrow, just to screw with people. 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, please now to be calling at 503-733-2970. We will be taking your votes for what is the worst story ever. Story number one, pet spider kills and eats its owner. Second story, aroused pet camel smothers 60-year-old woman. How you doing, Sarah? So wrong. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? That's what I call a bad case of camel toe. No. Now, no. nevertheless, spiders are worse because they paralyze you. So the guy was alive while these spiders were nesting in him. All right. So you say the spider story because he was still alive. Yeah, for some time until they killed him. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Now you can't. I, maybe you can say that word. I just choose to plead it. No, it's don't. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story is the worst? All right. Who do you have? You have Mike? Me? Yes. Okay, the camel one. But right, I also excellent. want to throw in real quick. Yeah. Listen to the DVD, American Graffiti, the Cadillacs singing Louie Louie. It's awesome. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Bye. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Well, I've got to go with number one because sometimes there really are bugs on you. But number two is pretty hideous, even though she'll never walk a mile for a camel again. <laughs> excellent. Good reference. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thanks, bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh, number one, number one. All right, excellent. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, spiders, bad. Ooh. And you know yeah. what? Tarantulas do not make nests up in corners. They make nests down on the ground. Well, maybe they had allied with another spider. Uh, no, they don't. All they right. don't play well together. All right, thank you. It's 503-733-2970. Which story do you find to be the worst? Hello. Hey, Rick, did someone make the joke yet? Was that a one-hump or two-hump camel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Z. Oh, thank you. Story number two. Excellent. Thank you. That really was funny. Well done, and I didn't have to believe that one. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. It's absolutely story number one. I'm sorry. That's too creepy. All right. That's just too creepy. All right. Spider story. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. It. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst? You talking to me? Are you doing a voice, sir? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Thank hey. you. Story number one, brother. Story number one. Excellent. Awful. Thank you. All right. It is terrible. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Which story do you find to be the worst? Uh, the, the, expression, the, the expression on Sarah's face is really just priceless. Uh, the camel. Story number two. Yes, definitely. Getting helped by a camel to death is a bad way to go. Yeah, it really is. No, that, that can't be argued, whatever one's take on this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story do you find to be the worst? Um, I would have to say number one. All right, the spider story. Yeah, because he was alive. That's not right. <laughs> okay, thank you. Something something not right about all of this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story is the worst? Well, I'm, I'm thinking number one, but I just wanted to uh, to know how many humps did the camel have? No, but someone's already made that joke, sir. Oh, sorry. All right, that's okay. Number one, thank you. Yes, All right, no, it's a funny joke. It's already been done. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Definitely number one. What makes now? What makes that one worse to you? Uh, just the bugs and the creepy crawlies. Yeah, see, I think bugs are a primal fear. Yeah, definitely. You know, all right, thank you. You know, here's the thing: is that it's not that the second one's not bad. It's that like. That's not a fear that you can readily conjure up in your brain. Like you can't picture that. But he was already dead. Well, we don't and know. And she that. was a she was alive. Yeah. Well, no, because there weren't you. Because no, I've looked at this and he wasn't struggling or anything. Because they they assumed that he was bitten by something, poisoned, then fell face forward and died, and then they all feasted on it. See, my whole this thing is, is alive. Oh God. See, my whole thing is like, did the spiders just paralyze him? And maybe he was lying there, and then they finished him off while he was paralyzed. Like, does Black Widow venom just paralyze you? We should, ask the, uh, we should ask, what's his name? Tim Criswell. 
Hi, maybe we'll do this again tomorrow. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which story is the worst? We'll finish on Yeah, the Rick, number two, because he was doing a 60-year-old lady. That makes the, the age makes it worse? Uh, yeah. All right, thank Much you. Much worse. Okay, thanks. Hi, three more calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which is the worst? All right, number one. All right, thank you, my friend. All right. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Which uh, story do you find to be the worst? Uh, number two, and let me add, I quote the great Janine Garofalo. It's okay to love your pets, but don't. Love your pets. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. Uh, is that truth about cats and dogs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Final call. Which story do you find to be the worst? I've heard of horny toads, but I've never heard of a horny camel. <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't camel. have laughed. Thank you. I shouldn't have laughed. Sarah doesn't find any of these jokes funny. Not even the two hump one? Oh, I want a whole lot of humps. Come on. I, I'm Pete thinking, Puma. I thought somebody was going to make a Fergie joke. Oh, my humps, my... <laughs> no, no, well done. All right. We may have to do this again tomorrow after talking to Chris Well at the close. House of Reptiles. Excellent. Well, for today, the spider story wins, but you know what? We're not going to declare a winner. I think we might make this a best of two. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian next. You stay right there. shop does in fact play the candy man the whole time it's over. I was in the post office once and the guy that owns the place who stands out front of the store and passes out candy was behind me in line. He was whistling the candy man. It was funny and insane at the same time. All right. I'm surprised you're not going the candy man. The candy man. No. Uh, we want to thank uh, the fine young boys in Nickel Arcade who just dropped off a copy, a copy of their debut CD, How I Made One Million Dollars in High School and Got Accepted by Yale. Excellent. Cool CD cover right here. We asked him if it was clean, and he said, no, at one point we say, good God. So adorable. I know. I said about all, them all. They're all like 12. I mean, they just make me feel like a big loser. And the way to our hearts, drop the CD. <laughs> Seriously. And a couple of visos. <laughs> hey, they brought us the CD and viso. Uh, we didn't ask for that, by the way. We did not ask. We didn't ask for that. Oh, that, did you get that email from that girl, Anne, who wrote the jingle for viso? No. I didn't even know there was a viso for a jingle for viso. For a where? viso for jingle. But for when? From Viso. But I mean, for use where? Well, she sent it to our... Um... I guess what I'm saying is, like, where is the jingle used? I guess for maybe some of their radio advertisements. She said she just finished writing it. It's my friend Anne. She's in... Um, she's the lead singer, per se. Okay. She's around town a lot. Anyway, yeah. she works for Viso. I didn't know they did other electronic advertising. I don't know. Um, maybe it's online. I'm all distracted by these Nickel Arcade song titles. Here's song number one. You remind me of the way orange juice tastes after you brush your teeth. Song title number uh, seven. My 10-year-old cousin bites through barbed wire fences. Uh, song title number nine. It's not a facial expression. It's a deviated septum. And song title number ten. I don't do business in the hallway. Excellent. Fantastic. I'm going to open this right now. We'll play a little bit and uh, so forth. Should we experiment with the Viso jingle real Let's quick? do the Viso jingle, and then we'll hear from Tim Riley. Then we'll hear from Peter Carlin for the Oregonian. Viso
Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. The jig is up for the bank robber who became known as the old school bandit thanks to a quick-thinking bodybuilder who happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, Chadwick Asham, the man behind the bandit's trademark bandana mask, was arrested Friday when he tried to rob a bank in Linwood. Apparently this bodybuilder was in there. And basically, he dropped all the weight to his knee on the left side of this guy and threw him on the ground, pounded him repeatedly until he broke his ribs. Excellent. The robbery unfolded within seconds, but he jumped on top of the guy, grabbed his hair from behind, forced his head into the ground repeatedly. I think at one point, I was using two hands to smash his face in. <laughs> Excellent. He kept going until he, he cracked all the robber's ribs. That's the kind of detail that I love. So there was some release, uh, uh, relief by the FBI agents who had been on this guy's tail for quite some time. He reportedly hit nine different banks. So the notorious old-school bandit is finally behind bars with broken ribs. In your face and ribs. So there. Uh, Leanna Hemsley is at the age of 87, the queen of mean. Uh-huh. Real estate mogul and apprentice host Donald Trump describes how he viewed her. She was a tough woman. She was a nasty woman. But she was a character, and she added something to New York in a very perverse way. Uh, he was a good friend of Leona, well, for a little while. She actually did like me, and then when I bought the land under the Empire State Building, all of a sudden she didn't like me so much. But she did start liking me quite a bit. Uh, Helmsley was a twice-divorced model when she met married multi Really? Are you kidding me? Yeah, a twice-divorced model. What did she model for? Reconstructive surgery? No. That's when she met the multi-millionaire real estate investor, Harry Hemsley. You know, in all fairness to her, she really made him happy, except for the last two years of his life where he was going through all this hell because of things that she caused with her tax evasion and various other things, which was so foolish because he was such a rich man. Fantastic. I love that. They they loved each other. They were fantastic, and they, they got along splendidly, except for the last two years they were married, which was hell. Uh, Leona stood by the hotel she owned and operated. Well, she had very famous commercials where she was in every ad and every commercial on television on in the newspaper. And, you know, it was very interesting. Her ads were very effective. She really worked hard. So that's that. You can all, you can tell a backhanded compliment, though, can't you? Mm-hmm. Well, she was a character. All right. The rumored location where rehab singer Amy Waterhouse is staying is said to be a serious treatment facility. That, according to page six, the British sensation is enrolled in the Causeway Retreat in the British island of Osea. It costs twenty thousand dollars a week. So really? really? Yeah, that's a. Crazy. As Sam Kennison once said, if you have twenty thousand dollars handy, you don't have a substance abuse problem yet. Mm-hmm. A swimmer bitten by a shark off of Florida is recovering. Uh, Chris Olin was swimming his usual route from Founders Park in a sailboat about a mile from shore when he was struck from the side. The 52-year-old made it back to the shore and was taken to the hospital. A large chunk of flesh is missing from his side. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. An 8-year-old Deland, Florida girl reported missing by police was found riding her bike as fast as she could trying to leave the state of Florida. Oh, well, why wouldn't... I mean, really, who can... Bearing a massive hurricane. (laughs) Oh, I thought just because, you know, it's Florida. She told officers the recent news about hurricanes scared her, and she wanted to ride her bike. It was amusing, but at the same time, sad. Little does she know she really was ribbed for the wrong reasons. Mm. She was uh, transported back home to await the next uh, hurricane. (laughs) To, To await her eventual watery death. You know the follow-up story will be that she's dead. I mean, that's the way the news works, right? She, you know, she's like one of those dogs that can sense uh, earthquakes or something. She just knew it was coming. No, 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 get back home and die like a man. 
All right. And finally, Superbad is showing good returns at the weekend box office. The raunchy teen comedy about two high school buddies on the prowl for booze and babes. Took it an estimated $32.2 million at its opening weekend. Anybody see it? No. I meant to. Raul saw it. Did he like it? He said that he cried. He was laughing so much. Fantastic. And he said it was... um, just as good, if not better, than Knocked Up. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm trying to see it uh, sometime in the next couple of days. So in our Gresh Hour 3, back into third place. It's a Jackie Chan, Chris Pecker, Bunny Cop franchise. Uh, Matt Damon's uh, uh, Born Ultimatum, which are $19 million, finished after that. Uh, coming in, following that is the Simpsons movie and the Nicole Kidman sci-fi series, The Invasion. Which opened at number five. Oh, that's a, that's yet another remake of Invasion of the Body Snatch. Six whole million dollars in ticket sales. <laughs> I think it may be time to admit that uh, Nicole Kidman's career is uh, ending in front of us. I mean, what is the last good movie she made? Go. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. You can't remember the last good movie she made. You can remember the last several bad films. Bewitched, Stepford oh, Wives. Um, no one can remember the last good movie she made. The others. Were I good, was going to say the others. Ago. That was like 20 years ago. I just actually purchased that at CD Game Exchange. Really? Five locations, bought, one near you. CD Game Exchange. Five DVDs locations, one near you. I'm sorry. I'm trying to like help you. Help no, you I, was, I was singing the jingle. About six. Excellent. You bought six DVDs. Six DVDs. For about how much, Sarah? I paid twenty-five dollars. Excellent. Well done. Hmm. I'm probably going to be turning what grim for a dream. No, no, you got to keep that. Keep that and give it to somebody else. Inflict it on someone else. Then last but not least, Starbucks baristas are thinking of forming a union. It's starting back east. It could spread out here. We have to stop it now. You know, that's the green menace, Tim. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. All right. Last exit to uh, something. Blah, blah, blah. In, insert your Hubert Selby joke here. All right, ladies. Is that the? Do we have more news coming up, or is that it? No, uh, 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 oh, not yes. in this program. I was thinking of Scotty J still doing the news. <laughs> we should just continue to play. They were, they really were genius, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Riley, greatest newsman in history. The world back at four, five, six, and seven. And you will not hear anything playing in the background today, unfortunately. Top of the hour, all the way through. Like us. It's time to welcome out of the Rick Emerson show. Did you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. From the Oregonian, uh, our good friend and TV critic Peter Carlin. Hello, sir. Hey, hi. Hi, how you doing, man? I'm fine. How are you? I'm dandy. Yeah? I'm sorry. We're calling you a little bit late today. My apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been sitting here crying my eyes out. Oh, <laughs> he's in rare form. Oh, it's going to be one of those days I can already tell. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it always gets me in the right mood when you play that thing I told you to never, ever play again I don't know in what... my hearing when I'm about to come on. Okay. Well, if you, I mean, if you'd like, we could, um, we could, find, we could find something else to play instead. It can only get worse. <laughs> really? I mean, honestly, I, uh, let's see. Oh, and I can't, oh, now I don't know where it is. Uh-oh. I was trying to, trying to find your, oh, see, you just, damn I it. can play something. That was a little, that was a little comedic uh, callback that I was going to do that just choked. Oh, no. I was going to do the, the bitches ain't, the bitches ain't nothing, but where did the hell did it go? He's so beverage has a Please don't play that. How about we never play that again? All right, I don't have anything. Okay. Fine. Uh, so, <laughs> how's life, Peter Carl? You were. Can I say that you where you were? Sure. You were in Belize. It's true. What's in Belize? Um, Belize, tell me. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. There's like jungles and beaches and uh, 
and Mayan uh, ceremonial sites that in deep, very deep in caves that you have to swim into. That's a lot of fun. That is kind of cool, actually. Isn't it? Yeah, I'm not much of a, a water guy, but I can see how that is sort of interesting. Yeah. It's just what, did you do the coming to America thing where you just you spun the globe and your finger landed on Belize? No, sir. Belize is a thing that I only, I really know because I use it for comedy purposes because it's a funny sounding name. It's a great place, though, and the people are really, really nice. Excellent. They don't have a whole lot of infrastructure, and I suspect not a lot of a middle class, which is a bummer for a lot of Belize. But uh, but they're awfully nice. Belizean is a funny word as well. I'm going to start working that into my vocabulary every day. Yeah. Oh, man. You should try Ecuadorian. Ecuadorian, Belizean. You know, for a long time, I thought people who lived in Iowa were Iowanians. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> Just because I think it's funny. Um, all right. Uh, I, I was going to talk about some crap. But, hey, uh, you do you have uh, you have your children are very young. Your child. Your ch- do you have multiple children? Yeah. Okay. They're very young still, though, aren't they? Well, n- don't tell that to the 12-year-old. Oh, I see. So that leads into this. Are you being subjected to this um, high school musical, too? No. Okay. Did you? Do, is that? Have you, have you beaten taste into your children? They are sophisticated young Americans. Yeah, excellent. Um, I guess it, I read this, and I don't know anything about it. All I know about high school musical is that the, it literally, and I'm, I usually only mean this ironically, that the kids are crazy for it. Um, it's the highest rated basic cable program in history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what they say? Is it, now, here's a dumb question. Is it actually a musical? I think they would have, it would have to be that, or they couldn't call it that. Yes, of course. Disney would never uh, fall They're singing and dancing and uh, a lot of smiling. And so apparently it's sort of a twist on the old high school musical formula where this is actually now where the popular jock kids then join the drama nerds and are in the musical, right? Yeah. Is that the whole thrust here? And it's totally post-ironic. Really? Is it, is it sincere? Is it relentlessly sincere? I believe so. It's, uh, all right. You know, even as I'm reading about this, I realize I don't care. I find it very difficult to care, too. I, I'm trying. I am because there's a certain cultural relevancy, and I know there's a lot of people in the audience burdened with children who have to watch this. But I kind of feel like maybe, well, no one who really is interested in that is, is in the demo, as we say. No. Probably men 2554 with a mean, uh, with an average income of $75,000 and above are probably not interested in that. Not the ones who aren't going to subsequently be arrested in some sort of <laughs> pedophilia charge. No. No. The operate. No, Operation uh, Operation Candyman. Um, oh, lordy. All right. Uh, hey, well, let's let's instead talk about something that's great. Let's talk about Mad Men. Yeah, isn't that a cool show? Mad Men is great, and you know what? Even when it's not so great, it's still better than almost everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I would say that about last week's episode, which I felt wasn't as strong as the previous week. There was a, it has peaked so far. Anyway, the high watermark so far has been the episode a couple weeks back on Mad Men, which is on AMC Thursdays, I believe. Um, Ten thirty. Ten thirty. Ten o'clock, I think, is an hour-long show. The one with the children's birthday party, oh, yeah, which was yeah. just so great and just awkward and and just dark and, and sad and really wonderful. And uh, if I can say, I mean, that's all. And everybody who knows me knows that that's, that equals great to me. Mm-hmm. Sarah and I were actually having a conversation at the top of the program about the movie Requiem for a Dream. And I was, we had a whole little high-concept segment about fantastic movies you don't ever want to see again yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're so dark. What would you say? Fantastic movies you don't want to see again because they're so dark? Yeah. Um, oh, there's one on the tip of my tongue, but now I can't remember what it is. Uh. Um, oh, darn it all. Oh, 
who? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Cries at, uh, oh, probably uh, Hearts and Minds, the great old uh, Vietnam documentary that we had to see in AP history class. Which, I don't know that I've actually seen that because I didn't take AP history. So. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing. Well, and uh, what else? There, but there's plenty of others. There's but, lots of things that you see that you think, well, like, for instance, maybe The War, Ken Burns' great new uh, documentary. Now, I have, now, is that airing now or has it already aired? <laughs> oh, oh, man. I don't know. I'm so out of touch. I'm out of the loop. I was in Belize. You'd think that you weren't a, a media type of guy. Oh, no, I'm really not. You know, here's the thing. Is it just there is... Dude, an... when it comes... Let me put it this way. When it comes on, you'll know. Because people will be talking about nothing Okay, because there'll be... Well, because Ken Burns is like... People await new projects from Ken Burns like Christians await the second coming of Jesus. You know? I mean, mm. really, they just can't... And I'm not... Except say... only one of those guys delivers. <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. Well done. So... I the Ken Burns thing uh, is is I mean because he did you know the Civil War and then he did the, the, the baseball one and then he did whatever and everything he does is like the new gold standard. Yeah. Um, but Mad Men is so great and I do love things that are sort of dark in terms of in terms of my my movies and my television. Um, but last week's episode, which featured uh, 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 Don Draper uh, with uh, reuniting with, I guess, some long-lost half-brother. Right. And the great thing was that they, they, they still never explained the backstory. They well, just... you get a little more of that this week. Is that true? And I'm trying to figure out whether I want more backstory on him or whether I enjoy him being a cipher. Um, and I don't know. Do you suspect that eventually they're going to unspool the whole thing with that guy, or are they going to deliberately keep him in the shadows? Well, I think that you can unspool... A lot of biographical facts, or you can unspool the guy's story, and yet his essential mystery or darkness will remain un, un, uh, unexplained in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That you can under, that you can know exactly where he came from and what happened to him, and yet not understand why he responds to it the way that he does. If there is any sort of a, and this is just the, the, the tiniest criticism of that show, is that. It's that he, it's like the Tony Soprano syndrome, where he is actually such a strong, compelling character that everything else on the show struggles to be as interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like there was the subplot with that Pete guy trying to get his article published. And yeah, <laughs> ended up in boy's life. It's seriously, basically wants his wife to go stoop some guy so that he can get a get a get published in a magazine. Yeah. I and all of that stuff is, you know, those the other characters are all great. The plot lines are very compelling. It's just that that Don Draper character is so far and away. The, the the glowing presence on that show that it is difficult to not feel a little impatient with the other plot lines. Yeah. Um, were, you, were you aware that I had a column about that story or about that show today? No, no, I haven't read the Oregonian today. I went into the kitchen to get it, but it was gone. We didn't get our wall. We didn't get our uh, New York Times today either. So. Whoa. It wasn't like somebody just you know the, the entire uh, newspaper pile was gone when I came in. What is the gist of your the gist of your column, and then I will go and read the entire thing in an unexpurgated fashion. Um, well, I was I'm sort of I was really uh, interested in how self-destructive everybody is, and how what sort of an interesting meta visual metaphor it is just the constant smoking and drinking, yeah. and these guys who are sort of creating this popular modern consumer culture are in fact like among its biggest victims. Like you don't see those guys continuing with those habits and living to a ripe old age. I mean, emphysema, and <laughs> nobody can smoke that much and, uh, and get away with it. The, the thing about the show that is so poignant, my wife and I were talking about this the other night, is that the great thing that Mad Men does, and again, Mad Men airs Thursdays on AMC, you really ought to watch it, it's that it is... It is recent enough to feel contemporary and to yeah. feel more or less contemporary, but it's old enough that you realize everyone on the show is probably dead. And so that... Well, not necessarily. I mean, I think... Um... 
I think uh, they'd be they'd be elderly, but they would they'd still be around. Well, if you assume that it was forty seven years ago, those dudes. Uh, Don is older than a lot of those other guys. Okay, so yeah, so they're either dead or elderly, but and you know, with cancer or that's whatever. That's my parents' generation. I mean, those are people who are. The parents of my, uh, I mean, my brother was born in 1960. It is interesting to think that the people who are elderly now in our society, you look back at that, and again, it's recent enough that you can, it's just, it is always interesting to me when you see people in a previous era who are either elderly or no longer with us going through what what everybody, I think, sort of selfishly considers to be only struggles of the very modern day. Yeah. Uh, and all of these weird struggles with sexual uh, norms in society and sexual morality and family struggles and personal sort of existential crises and things that I think we all just sort of assume are like recent inventions of our own generation. Yeah. And then you go back and you see that, you know, some guy who's a contemporary of your grandfather was struggling with some sort of weird sexual issue or some monogamous, well, some monogamy issue. Or, did you, you get to the part where uh, Don's wife, I forget her name now, is the blonde. And how and how how apropos is that, by the way? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, she is, um, she's like super, as it turns out, she sort of reveals, I mean, part of her thing is that she's like super hot for Don. Oh, that is this coming week, I believe. Yeah, this coming week, yeah. and he kind of wants none of it. He's like intimidated by that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just, it is it is a great, uh, and the fact that it's on that turning from the Eisenhower era into the 60s, and yeah. you're just catching society as it changes. Let me ask you a question about Mad Men. Do you suppose that that character of blah, 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 Salvatore, or whatever it is, the Italian man, is he... Uh, he clearly seems to be playing that as a closeted gay man. You think? And, well, I guess what I'm saying is, could it? I would like to think that the show isn't that heavy-handed. Is it just a? Is everybody around him oblivious, or do you think they are willingly oblivious? Because it's one of those things that he might as well just have a, a big, a big uh, pink boa on, for, as far as the audience is concerned. Yeah, but I think that, uh, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of denial, a lot of active denial. I mean, just think about how, like, when Merv Griffin just passed away, yeah, that's and it was us only now that people are like, oh, and by the way, guess what? He was gay. I suppose and it was, was, like, fairly – but, you know, I mean, a lot of people were just not, you know – uh, you know, he, he, he was involved with women over the years and married for many, many years, but I think was carrying on a rich and satisfying, you know, sexual relationship on the side. I, but, su I suppose it is true, and I guess I know people of a certain age or of a certain culture who I guess uh, are I guess are sort of willingly oblivious to what is, you know, it's yeah. obvious to us. So. And in those days, you know, I mean, I think that was just so viewed as being so far beyond the pale. Right. Not even how could this totally stand-up guy be like that? Not even imaginable. He's, he seems just like one of us. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what is so other than Mad Men? What is uh, what is coming up this week that anyone need care about? Well, I'm going to be actually appearing at the Lake Oswego Public Library tomorrow night. If anyone's interested in that, that's at seven o'clock. Uh, for what reason? To read and 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 just take up airtime. <laughs> excellent. Well, uh, excellent. I, I I can admire that as uh, somebody who uh, does that yeah, you for twenty come. hours. What, what are you reading? Uh, a little bit of the Beach Boy thing and, and some TV stuff. Very cool. Uh, that is tomorrow at the Lake Oswego Library? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what time? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, Lake Oswego Library. Peter Carlin tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, next week are you uh, – we'll get back on schedule next week. We'll not uh, – we won't uh, shunt you to this latter half of the hour. Yeah, you better. All right, and I'll, and I'll find the, uh, the Bitches Ain't Nothing clip, too. No, don't. No, I mean, really, just as a personal favor to you. All right. <laughs>
Peter Carlin. Well, only if you'll retire that other thing. I don't know what you're talking about. Read him in print in the Oregonian or on live at OregonLive.com. He's Peter Carlin. Thank you, sir. Hey, but my pleasure. Bye-bye. Right, there you go. Did you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk. Back after this. All right, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. Final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Like us at 3, Don and Mike at 7. Coming tomorrow. And we didn't get to my London itinerary. we got to talk about tomorrow. My wife's going to cut my head off. I don't even want to start it today because I, I want to start something I can't finish. Yeah, let's just do that tomorrow. i got a list of things we're almost for sure doing. And then she's listed some things with the, with the note, are these exciting and or worth it? So we'll talk about these tomorrow. Welcome to the show, uh, our good friend Fat Boy from Court and Fat Boy, night seven to midnight on KUFO. Hello, sir. Hello, sir and ma'am. So, did you um, return to the geek party on Saturday after we left? Yeah, I did. I got back in. Uh, a, f- a fair amount of people had uh, split off or passed out and been dragged from the party. Apparently, uh, they broke up around 3:45. That's amazing to me. Uh, it just seemed. Uh, let's see. What do, what do we have here? Um, it lasted until 3.45. Prime, our friend Prime, had two bottles of wine and barely made it home. <laughs> Chris Boba Fett had to be to work at 4.30 a.m. and left the party at 2.20. Oh, jeez. Jen, hosed. Jason, blotto. And Diana says, I got $22 million on pinball. Must be one of the best parties ever. Yeah, my wife vomited uh, on the way home. Four times, to my knowledge, before she even fell asleep, and apparently about every 90 minutes at work the next day. I'm going to say there were about 15 different bottles of hard liquor that had emptied by the time I left. And there were still two hours to go, apparently. She was drinking something that she thought was like a cooler, and apparently it was pure vodka with some flavoring. (laughs) And then she was jumping up and down playing Dance Dance Revolution and eating a lot of spinach dip. Oh, yeah, that's a recipe for her. (laughs) Kind of a nice soft food to throw up, but still, that's no good. All right. Uh, Fat Boy, 7 to Midnight, Rock 101, KUFO. Thank you, sir. No, thank you, sir. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Goddard, James Roop, and did we talk to somebody else today? Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. It's Tim Riley. The PA is Scotty G. J. The gay. Scotty G. The Scotty G. (laughs) Show. Scotty gay. Uh, Scotty. I didn't say that. It's kind of scary. And blah, 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 blah. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Thank you for listening. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. Did you hear that? I did. That was me whacking it against my desk.